everybody, and welcome to episode 322 of Vigigame Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez. Who else is joining me here in the mystical, magical Zach Beeson Memorial Studio of the Airwaves? <laughs> Democratic primary candidate Chris Antista. And number one Zach Beeson fan, Matthew Allen. And special guest... Salty Hufflepuff, Cat Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why oh, are you a Salty Hufflepuff? I am so salty about that Harry Potter mobile game. It's the worst. Oh, no. But you got some of the best sneakers at Vans, Cat. Hufflepuff has some good good merch. <laughs> Literally, the only good thing to come out of that game is that I got to go to Harry Potter World to play it. That was cool. <laughs> oh, just like old times. <laughs> I know. See, I think Hufflepuffs get a bad rap. Okay, they're living their best lives. Mm-hmm. They live near the kitchens. They're loyal and hardworking. And frankly, they got it all figured out. You know, they got the house elves helping them yeah. get into the kitchens mm-hmm. after dark. Mm-hmm. You know, meanwhile, the freaking Slytherins are living under the yeah. lake. Come also, on. also, fucking Batman was a Hufflepuff. Okay? Well, it's it's funny you should you say go. that because yeah. the Hufflepuffs seem like classic Batmen. In in the sense that like Sam Gamgee was a Batman, the the servant to a military officer. Mm, mm. Ah, I was more talking. I heard Chris go. What? <laughs> Robert Pattinson, ah, yes. Cedric Diggory. Oh, he was a Hufflepuff. He was a, and Hufflepuff. He was a Gryffindor. No, no, the, no, 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 no. Cedric Diggory was totally a Hufflepuff, and he totally died mm-hmm. to save him. Whoa! Spoilers. I remember that was such a major, major thing for Goblet of Fire. Was like a character will die, and it was like huge. Like everybody speculating who's going to die. Who's going to die? And it's just like, hey, it's the new character that nobody knows. But then he was I resurrected mean, it, he as a shiny new. vampire. He showed up in book three, and it was kind of yeah. a big deal. Did he? Because, yeah, yeah they yeah. hadn't killed anybody, really, especially he not was, a kid. He was totally uh, having sex with Harry's first girlfriend, Cho. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they kill Cotton Creevy before him, the little photography kid? Or? God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no, that kid totally dies, better. too. They all die, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Harry yeah, Potter, yeah. very dark. No. Yeah. You know what else should die? What should die? The Harry Potter mobile game. Oh. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. We'll get there. We'll get the new yeah. releases. I, ha- I have a t-shirt that's the Hufflepuff badger strutting, and it just says, haters gonna hate. Damn. Uh, oh, yeah. But, it, you know, with all this talk about Harry Potter, we should probably have done the top five uh, in some way relating to Harry Potter. But no, it's the end of June, and you know what that means? We're at the half best, point of the year. July's so next month. Um, shut up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we do our best of the year so far. Yeah, we? yeah, yeah. So it's the time to look back at the last six months and say, these are the games that we anoint as being the best. What is this voice? What is this I affectation you're I don't on? know. Um, <laughs> so am, am, I, am, I, am I just like clinically depressed, or is this year like a little less interesting than previous? Uh, it is. It is. I think... Yeah. 2017, 2018 were big shoes to fill. Kat, you wrote a whole article to that effect. Yeah, I, was I sure did. It earlier. Uh, I think I said to this something to the effect of it was been kind of a letdown. And I, I think in all, all in all, in all honesty, you may know that I run a website about video games, so I have to cover Oz this Gamer. for a living. Oh yeah, we should have said where are you from and where can people read your stuff. Yeah, I run a website called US Gamer. We're part of the Gamer Network. USG? Basically, we're the cool American cousins if you're a Eurogamer. Hell yeah. But the reason I wrote this article effectively was, at the time, really, in my mind, the only really, truly game of the year kind of game that had come out was Resident Evil 2 Remake. And yeah. I was like, I was really feeling it because when you run a video game website, you're often thinking in terms of like, okay... What game will come out and stick? Like, really stick in the minds of people? 
and there have been a lot of busts lately. Mm-hmm, Anthem, mm-hmm. oh my god, what a yeah. bust. Yeah. Yeah. Such a bust. The EA execs had to forfeit their bonuses for the last fiscal year because of... Mm-hmm. Large, in doing large part to games like Anthem not not hitting targets. Ouch. Yeah, Harry Potter kind of a bust, real big mm. bust. We were all kind of counting on Harry Potter to pay the bills. Didn't happen. <laughs> Even the games that were you know had some legs of some interest, like believe it or not, Kingdom Hearts three had some legs, had some interest. Uh, mm-hmm. Resident Evil two remake, uh, Sekiro, like they all kind of faded uh, before too yeah. long. And games like Fallout 76, you know, you only get so much uh, mileage out of ragging on them before you kind of hope that they turn it around so that they can be good and you can cover them properly. Yeah, mm. I, I do feel like this this year has been a lot of, like, big shiny thing coming out and then, like, oh, it's really shiny, it's really shiny, and then the luster kind of wears off after a little bit and you move on to the next shiny all- thing. At least that's, that's been I'm my experience. I, I think there's a nature of, you know, that... <laughs> There's no one gamer anymore. The demographic is super fractured. But also, like, once you start announcing new consoles, people kind of hold off. So it's it's only going to get it's duller true. from here on. Well, but typically, though, that's what's when you get some of the games of the generation, right? Think of, like, The Last of Us in that last generation. It really kind of closed out uh, the PS3's life with a bang, yeah. you know? So typically, that's when people are hitting their strides. It's like they figured out the systems. They're getting... They're they're squeezing as much as humanly mm-hmm. possible out of, out of these consoles, and we but, get some of the best games. I mean, the next console that we know about is eighteen months away, like not counting yeah. Stadia. Mm. Um, so it's going to be a long dry spell if people are petering out now. I think another yeah. problem is uh, well twofold. One is we had two years of amazing games coming yeah. from yeah. Nintendo. And various other sources. Capcom had quite the run, I gotta say. Monster right. Hunter World was phenomenal. And Sony's first party was fucking amazing. Last yeah, year. no, yeah, they were destroying yeah. it. Like for the past two years. That I mean, there's only so that's not sustainable. You can't just keep cranking them out year after year after year. Games, really great games, take time to make. And so now all of the companies are reloading. But there's another thing, and it's more insidious. And that is everybody wants to be Destiny. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it turns out that Bethesda and EA real bad at being Destiny. I, you know, you know, who else is bad at being Destiny. Destiny. I never understood <laughs> this as a Destiny player. Uh, like they were just ditched by their publisher willingly. Like, <laughs> why was everybody trying to follow this model into what? And everybody was c- celebrating. Mm-hmm. Here's well, the thing: Activision. Well, I mean, Destiny made money. I mean, it wasn't it like it was a bust. Money. It was extremely. It, it was one of, of the most popular games of the generation. Did extremely well for microtransactions and whatnot. It's just that Activision expected World of Warcraft, and they didn't get World. They didn't get the most, you know, successful game of the past uh, twenty years. Hmm. They got a very, very successful. They they got the most successful game of the past decade. Yeah. It's not enough. I think you're onto something. Uh, There are companies that have been really successful with live games, but like Ubisoft, full disclosure, Michael works for Ubisoft. Okay, we're covered there. Um, But yeah, the problem with with having so many live games out there and wanting people to keep playing games for a long time is, well, people have limited amounts of time, so you can only play so many games. And and yeah, maybe you have limited amounts of time. Well, and companies have limited resources too; they can only support so many games. And so, yeah, maybe maybe we are feeling 
uh, a lack of newer releases because we have so many games that just have continuous live support. Could be it. No, I'm just I'm off in another world now where me and my time billionaire friends are hanging out on our time yachts. Oh my god, you're the Scrooge McDuck of free time, and I've never understood it. You had timeshare right there in front of you as a pun, and yet, whiff, total whiff. No, timesharing is for socialists. <laughs> time socialists. But again, yes, best games of the year so far. From the, from the what is it, the Zach Beeson Studio? Yes, the Zach, Zach Beeson Memorial Studio. Studio. Memorial Studio, thanks to his contribution at patreon.com slash laser time. And now that we're finished shitting all over our premise this week... <laughs> We've completely, boy, what a, what a hell of a setup for the best games uh, of the year so far. We've just completely said yeah. it hasn't been a great year so far. It's been fine. It's been it's it's we've had some yeah. good good games. Yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm on I'm on the like when trying to vote. Like I can't believe what I had to vote for. I, I I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. I'm a little sad. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I I I was trying to to whittle down the list because I, I think I ended up with around ten options like what i felt were solid options you know so my problem is always when i get to this point like did i really like that or is it just the most recent thing i played that i really liked and so it's there's recency bias yeah yeah i I really like this game or is it the zoloft Mm. (laughs) (laughs) looking looking at our top five i can see uh Four games that I would legitimately consider like being part of a top ten list. Okay, that's encouraging. Maybe, but then like compared to last year, and I don't know, just in terms of like when we talk about greatest games of a generation, I don't think any of them qualify. Oh, but we can get into specifics right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. I sort of wanted someone like you to be there, or at least like a legitimate bartender to say, hey, you're cut off no matter what your friend the date here says right and you need to eat some food and you need to eat yeah. some food get some food in you so the place we're going for food has none and she's like i want to go to a pool i'm like me too actually i've <laughs> my pool's in the shop <laughs> so we're gonna have to figure something else out and i i love that a little bit of white privilege if you've never used it um i, I haven't done this in a couple years can walk into any hotel remove all of my clothing and not have a bathing suit order a drink and jump in their pool they will say nothing, and I, I've done it as I do it all the time. See, they can and, tell you desperately need the sun because you're so pasty. <laughs> you're like, just let him do it. Just let him do it. But this, at this time, it's it's like night, so we go over to uh, let's call it a loft. I thought that was hilarious. Like they have a bar, they should have some food. We can throw this this lady in the pool, maybe sober up a little bit. Because like at this point, like where are your friends? Let me take you home. And at this point, she's sort of telling me, "You can't take me home. Why?" My boyfriend will kill you. I'm like, oh. Thanks. What? Your boyfriend? You know. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And we're back to talk about what? Uh, best games of the year so far. <laughs> what you said. Uh, yeah. So let's just jump right in with... Number five. So you're Andy's new toys? Oh, Thanks, everyone. <laughs> you sure did a number on those intruders. Those are the heartless. 
<laughs> We've been fighting against those intruders for a while. I knew it! Like 20 years. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Huh? In that case, you're all right by me. My name's Woody. <laughs> My Yours. name's Woody, and I never do a second pass on dialogue. <laughs> never, <laughs> ever. <laughs> stilted. <laughs> yeah. But was it as stilted as... This will be a good spot to find someone doing lunch. No one, no one gets to make fun of Tony and Selmo. No, no, I'm not allowing this. <laughs> yeah, you do hear that quite a bit in that game. <laughs> well, Usually not from Donald. And that's sort but... of like my thesis statement for, I think, not, not, not how bad the year has been, but how uninspiring it's been. Because Kingdom Hearts wasn't so much excellent as it was just phenomenal. It didn't totally suck. <laughs> phenomenal. It didn't totally suck. Cause... Well, it's, but that's the thing. It was a worthy entry into that Oh, you're that saying it was, it was phenomenal that it didn't but, suck. But uh, we've been we've been existing with this series and PS2 hardware for so long. Mm. It's. I thought it was like as a huge fan of the series. Everything improved. It almost caught up to the games of this generation. <laughs> All they had to do was airlift it out of 2005 and not right. screw it up too much, and Kingdom right. Hearts fans would eat it up. And then that's yeah, what happened. So it totally stuck it into like 2015. It's it's the perfect 2015 game. <laughs> so no, it's full a disclosure. perfect 2013 game. That is yeah. the definition of a 2013 oh, 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 game. Man. So full disclosure, this game nearly made our biggest surprises of the year list <laughs> from really? a recent show because we. We were so surprised it stuck the landing. <laughs> we were, Did we, it stick you know, the landing, though? Or that it came out this year. Yeah. Even. yeah. I, I, I still haven't... Uh, big disclosure here. I still haven't finished it. <laughs> mm. But I can always load it up and play it, and it's so much... And before this came out, I was playing all the old ones, and they're fucking terrible. <laughs> they're just the worst games of all time, both in terms of uh, story, <laughs> pacing, gameplay, all their awful mechanics, bad camera. They're all awful, and all that's fine in the new one hmm. i can always instantly pick it up and play for a couple hours and i don't i don't even i don't play like that anymore i don't pick up i don't play a game continuously for months and i've been doing that with kingdom hearts hmm. and it's thoroughly enjoyable yeah it's i a- think that it just goes to show that uh the kingdom hearts games had a formula and uh, that they executed on pretty well ultimately i full disclosure don't like the Kingdom Hearts games very much. <gasps> Sorry. Axe of the Blood Gods Cat Bailey? Yeah, well, they took like out... the best Final... RPG of the year? <laughs> they took out Final Fantasy out of Kingdom Hearts, and that made me kind of mad, actually. Dude, um... I didn't even notice. I know, because you're a like... fan. You're like Mr. Disney, right? Yeah. That, well, that's the I, thing. I am, but like, but like, I, I, I kept... I keep expecting to see somebody, and other than that weirdo tease in the Toy Story level that is rumored to be the next game, uh... Yeah, it was like almost no Final Fantasy influence. See, for me, like in the first two games, the Final Fantasy cameos were kind of what made it for me. I was like, oh man, there's Cloud, and he looks like he's he's got PS2 graphics. He's not a little mm. polygonal blocky Cupid doll guy. He looks yeah. awesome. So, oh. so 80 hours into Kingdom Hearts, you get to play you play with Cloud for like 40 seconds, and that made it. Well, you for get me. to fight. Yeah. Well, you get to fight one winged angel. I always thought that in the original game, uh, it was really you'd be wandering around the beach and. Hey, look! There's a selfie and uh, you know Waka and all them playing volleyball and, or blitzball or whatever on the beach, and mm-hmm. you saw recognizable faces, and that seemed that kind of grounded it for me. I, I like Disney. I am not a Disney aficionado, so and you know you played that clip early on, and it just reminded me of how Kingdom Hearts looks like Disney, 
it sounds like Disney, but there's always something a little weird and a little stilted about it. Well, that, I was going to say, I can't believe you are missing Final Fantasy when all of its dialogue is, is represented in this. <laughs> Mickey, does any of this look familiar? Uh, sort of. But the realm of darkness has changed since I was here with Aqua. Yeah, it's different from what I remember. Usually, I'd just follow my heart, and Aqua would show me the way. But the closer I get, the hazier our connection feels. You mean... Maybe. But we can't give up hope. Yeah. You mean meaningful dot dot dot. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, so that's, that's, that's the thing. I wrote about that a long time ago, that like the Final Fantasy series was wasted from the beginning. They're, mm. they're tertiary cameos, and other than Aron and Cloud... There is no significant contribution Wrong. from any of Square's The guy from Final well. Fantasy X shows up in Hades, and that was awesome, and Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah, Auron. Auron, yeah, that's cool. And, 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 uh, but, but he's the only one, ever, ever. There's never been another playable person, uh, playable Square person. And they, they slowly got away from that. The, the, the real Final Fantasy influence is in the DNA. It is Disney characters shoveled into a Final Fantasy game. And I was, to- I was totally fine with that because... There had been no significant square contribution to anything in, in the plot, and mm-hmm. ever, in my opinion, uh, and, and and more more to that, like just the nature of this being one of the best Disney games ever. As Disney struggles with its software studio, constantly closes all its good shit. Uh, yeah, it was good to see a return to this. I gave Michael a really dumb clip. It's like four seconds, but it, it's my favorite thing of the year. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Just this that, that's way. It. But like they they Back to the Future two, yeah. Frozen's Let It Go, which uh, is yeah. remade within the game, but put add new angles that Sora, Donald, and Goofy are looking at her from to give you this awesome Back to the Future two vibe. And, and what the games never really excelled at when once they they drop the need for Final Fantasy characters, which was to truly insert you into your favorite moments in Disney movies. Mm-hmm. And this scene is the most, I don't know, to me, the most emblematic of that. Uh, I'm sorry, the Let It Go sequence from Frozen is probably one of the best film sequences of the decade. Um, wow, sure. Chris. 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 Yeah, yeah, seriously. Chris. I'm, no, I'm not kidding. It's great. Okay. It's great. Chris. And, and you, get to, you get to play let, that. Let it go. Oh, <laughs> no! Jesus. The funny your, thing your is... Your tweets never bothered me anyway. The thing that you're not even mentioning is that they played the whole song... That's totally fine. I've watched that video like 300 times. (laughs) (laughs) And they recreated it all in-game, which is so phenomenal to show you how visually these these games have improved. Do you think Disney forced him to Nomura to do that or did Nomura? No, I think think it was important for them to do that in order to achieve what Kingdom Hearts should be, which is traveling through the dimensions of Disney movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think this game realized that better than anything. The dialogue... Is not great, but it's uh, what did I say? It's like it's no longer elementary school; it's full middle school now. Yeah, it's it's nice. yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, that, that, that's so. A, I have two points to make there. Number one, I guess in my mind, watching Disney movies growing up, I'd always assumed when characters broke into song or just any musicals, really, that's more meant to be kind of an internal dialogue that they're just expressing through song and dance. But like in the real world, quote unquote, real world, like if if you were in the room with that character you wouldn't be seeing them actually just break into mm. song randomly. But then, no, this this game confirms, like, no, actually, Elsa's by herself in the mountains, completely singing yeah. to herself, building an ice castle. Like, 
what the hell? Like, no, it, it's not supposed to actually happen. I'm not fucking... In my opinion, it's it's my favorite gaming moment of the year. For I'm not kidding. But yeah. I, I do love that song, and I love that movie. And then like my Frozen s- 2 looks phenomenal. My second point is, yes, yeah, some of the dialogue... I So the only reason this game got a vote for me... Not the only reason, but one of the main reasons. I'm a huge Disney fan as well. Yeah. And some of the dialogue is very Disney and very passable. Some, though, like that, that Mickey clip you played, Michael. Ugh. It's just so out of character for Mickey. You've never... You've usually heard Mickey I talk. just follow my heart. Well, usually he doesn't speak in <laughs> sentences more than four or five words long. Yeah. And then when he's when you have Mickey reading Final Fantasy dialogue, I, I'm still shocked that Disney let them get away with this. Like, it's crazy to me for for not just one game, though, for, for an entire span of games across several years, they've been letting them get away with it. It's shocking to me because Mickey is like their crown jewel. It's the character they protect the most. Mm-hmm. And you see Mickey in this weird Keymaster hoodie with like, it's like, what the, yeah. what are you doing? Is but, he and part yet- of Organization 13 or whatever? <laughs> like, And the no, interesting thing the- is that the original game, uh, Disney basically wouldn't let Kingdom Hearts use yep. Mickey at all, but mm-hmm, yeah. they managed to sneak him in very briefly as like a silhouette with the Keyblade. Yeah, but he yeah. was a absent. fucking ending. Were, yeah, Mickey you were looking is the for ending. him. He was missing. Yeah, and so like, th- yeah, just that stuff. Uh, you know, whatever. I just, I, th- I think with this game, for every like good thing that I love about it, there's there's one or two bad things I just have to kind of accept. You, you mean like this guy's presence? I can't believe it! <laughs> I put 18 years into that plan and you ruined it! I really don't like you. Just give it up already. You'll never beat Herc, no matter how many times you try. Yeah, stay in the underworld where you belong. And then they kill him. I have no idea who that is. Wasn't he banned from Twitter? Uh, he was banned from Twitter. So here's the thing. You can't deny, though, James Woods has, like, voice acting chops. Like, he might be the best voice actor in that game. Mm. It sucks, and I wish he was dead, but, like, him on The Simpsons and in Hercules is phenomenal. Mm. And and let's not pretend he's the most problematic piece of this. Remember, there's a Mm. constant visual representation of Johnny Depp and T.J. Miller's in the game. Yeah. You want to talk (laughs) about the decision to put Pirates of the Caribbean 3 in this game? I still Uh. don't really understand it. I actually asked Nomura, why did, why? And he was like, well, I mean, it's the end of the trilogy, just like Kingdom Hearts 3, and I wanted to be able to show off the graphics engine by having real characters in there. I mean, if you're going to do one of the disappointing pirate sequels, why not do the one with the zombie sharks in Javier Bardem? <laughs> Which one is that? <laughs> why not do a better, a better live-action movie like one? Race to Witch Mountain? Or, <laughs> Let's not loaded. do anything involving Johnny Depp. See also Harry Potter. Yeah. Let's let's just do things involving Scrooge and Remy. The chef wants you to know it's not a cake, but a tart of fruit. He does? Why keep it under my hat? May I introduce Little Chef? Oh, oh it's you. Uncle Scrooge, you open the bistro and try on tarts. Hi. You opened a bistro See, in Twilight. <laughs> it's, it's, I would hate that, but but now that it's legally required that every Japanese game feature cooking, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, yeah. I'm glad Disney had a character available in Remy the yeah. Rat. The Scrooge thing that's a that's going to stand out as so weird in history because mm-hmm. it was that odd transition between um, Alan Young dying, who's been Scrooge for 40 years, and David Tennant taking it over for Ducktales. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. You get that weird voice. 
Yeah. But that's, uh, Kingdom Hearts, like, it's way better than you think it is. It actually stands as a game you could play, whether you like the series or not, which mm-hmm. I don't think the last seven games qualify. Mm. <laughs> I would not recommend those games to players, period. I might wait to pick it up until 3.3. 3. Well, <laughs> yeah, don't joke. The cool thing happen. is you can get them all on PS4. That's true. Yeah, I, I, that's how I got this game. It was a hundred bucks, and I got every Kingdom Hearts game and the new one. Yeah, even Chain of Memories is on PS4. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, the dang. PS2 remake. I think they even put the stupid mobile game on mobile there. Game. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't wasn't the, the, Chain the of Memories the mobile game is not bad. Was it was recoded it? or whatever? Yeah, Chain of Memories. Yeah, the, which was I the I Game Boy game? Saying that. <laughs> I thought Chain of Memories might have been a DS or game. I don't know, man. It was a Game Boy Advance game that was then remade on PS2. Right. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. This is the only time I'll ever be helpful in this entire conversation. So, uh, Kat, in your estimation, is this one of the four that you think qualify? No. All right. This what? is the one that's not on the list. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I think, why it's I think Katie, like Katie is on your side. She's our reviewer for Kingdom Hearts 3. She gave mm. it a good score, ultimately, and I think she's going to defend it. But I wouldn't put it on like, a top ten of... Uh, 2019, I think there are going to be way better games that come out. I, I think it is a perfectly serviceable conclusion to the trilogy, but ultimately it doesn't add a huge amount. And if I'm being really honest, I never thought Kingdom Hearts was that good to begin with. I thought it was an okay <laughs> bit of fan service uh, for Disney right. fans, but I have always thought that the combat is horrible. Uh, the graphics were never that good. The fan service was never that deep, and the story is horrible. So. Look, okay, Tell now I'm you, really you scoffed at you scoffed at my frozen assertion. This is the best RPG of all time. No. Oh god. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. no. I'm, like, I'm, I'm sure Kingdom Hearts fans. I hate you personally, and I hate everything that you've ever loved. <laughs> I hate your pets. Man, it's a good thing women don't get harassed <laughs> on the internet because Cat has some smoking hot takes. She should be fine. Even even Laser Cat. Oh man. Uh, I will say this, if you haven't been keeping up with the Final Fantasy like core games and want a taste of where the combat has been heading and probably will be like the Final Fantasy VII Remake combat, uh, Kingdom Hearts, they've kind of merged at this point. They're all, mm. like Final Fantasy used to be the turn-based and Kingdom Hearts was the, you know, the action RPG and now they're all just real-time you know, action. Honestly, I won't be uh, satisfied with anything less than Final Fantasy VII Remake playing exactly like Air Gates, but with Cloud. <laughs> Well, and what if, I mean, if it doesn't have a teacup special attack, I'm fucking out of there. I'm just checked yeah, out yeah, at that yeah. point. If I can't summon the Black Pearl while I'm in Hercules World mm-hmm. or whatever, Olympus, mm-hmm. then uh, it's yeah. just not like Dude, you get to summon Disney rides throughout yeah. the game. Yeah. It happens so frequently in Austin. It's amazing. It's pretty cool. I was so I no nervous why that it FF7 Remake was going to just use Kingdom Hearts style hack and slash combat. And so far, it looks a lot better than that, thankfully. Okay. It has like a modicum of tactical kind of elements to it it's it looks like a decent hybrid of real-time and turn-based elements and i i'm feeling a lot better about it so that just goes to show my opinion of kingdom hearts i'm i'm really glad final fantasy 7 remake doesn't resemble it oh okay did you did you not like 15 uh ff 15's combat i thought the combat was easily the worst part of ff 15 uh, Mm. of a game that otherwise i like kind of liked and that's that's the thing about Kingdom Hearts. If you're if you're nostalgic for uh, the stilted dialogue and uh, broken cutscenes <laughs> of previous games, Kingdom Hearts has that. Yeah, that's the argument oh, that's being made to me. It's like, oh no, it's a PS2 game airlifted into the era, current era, and Jesus I Christ. miss that style of game. Okay, it's more power to you. Only in that sense. 
Chris, you're sense. the one who voted for this. Defend it. This is our best of the year so far. This? <laughs> it's been a shitty year. The, the shit you tried to get me to vote for. Uh, uh, yeah, never. You could vote for more. Um, well, in fairness, you're right. You're right. You know what? One game on this list that's been transcendently good. No, you know what, Cat? These guys are right. This game doesn't deserve it, but you know what does? MLB The Show 19. <laughs> no. Our new number no. five. Take him down. <laughs> Cat, Cat will get my back on All this right. one. Let, let's move on. Number four. Before things get heated. <laughs> Listen, Wolf. You must never forget the Shinobi Code. As your father, my word is absolute. Your master's is a close second. As of today... He is your master. Defend him with your life. If he is taken, bring him back at any cost. It's not the Shinobi Code. The Shinobi Code is the one that gives you 99 lives in mm. Sega's classic arcade game. That's right. Yeah. Yep. What better way to beat Godzilla in Spider-Man? <laughs> what game is this? Uh, Sekiro, Shadows Die Sucky Twice. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is the game I wouldn't vote for. Shadows die a bunch of times. Yeah, you sure do. Yeah. Uh, I voted for this game. I did, too. I love this game. I think I, I voted for this it. This is the game I, I played the most, but couldn't justify calling it my favorite game of the year. I think it's by far the weakest from software game. Uh, in I'm the not calling form. this my, my favorite game of the year. I'm calling it our fourth favorite game of the year. <laughs> so here's the thing about Sekiro. I think, that in, I think the combat is really excellent, as always, and I think it does a lot of really cool things, and I love the grappling hook. I think the grappling hook mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. great. And I think that... Like all from software games uh, of late, it has a certain flair to it that just cannot be ignored. When you play it, you know you're playing a from software game, and it feels great. But compared to just the shiny, amazing—I'm uh, not being very eloquent right here. Okay, Bloodborne was amazing, and Sekiro is by from software standards uh, a little bit too short and feels a little bit too cobbled together. And I've heard some rumors as to why that is, but they kind of confirmed like my general impression of, oh, okay, yeah, like they didn't actually have a lot of time to put this thing together. So mm, tell me, because I, I, as someone who loves the Souls games, I felt like the the game de incentivized me from encountering enemies and learning to like the combat more. See, I, I feel kind of quite the opposite. I think, and I love Souls games, I wouldn't call this the best Souls game. I no, I, I think I would agree it's, with... It's not the best Souls games. It's the best games of 2019. So well, but I know, right. But I, I think I might agree with Kat that it's out of all of those, the Soulsborne types, it might be the worst, but it's still a very good game to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, because you muster an actual compliment for I'm this. Go, I'm, com- I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. What I was going to say, though, is I think out of all of those games, it's the one that forces you to engage with the combat mechanics the most yes so in previous souls games you can always sort of brute force your way through stuff you can you can grind yes. to the point where you're getting past I areas mean, you kind of still can as this uh clip illustrates I mean, a lot of the fighting is about brute forcing your way through encounters in that you are, I mean, it's meticulous, but at the same time, the idea is to uh, bat away at your foe while they're blocking you until mm-hmm. you destroy their stance, at which point you can score a fatal blow. Yes, but that usually isn't nine, the way you go about times. that. <laughs> Typically, I think what I was more trying to get at is 
in other Soulsborne games, there have been parry systems, but mm-hmm. they've always been very difficult to get the timing right. Whereas this game really just forces you finally. It's like, you know what? We've been trying to make you use parry systems for like four games now. Fucking sit down. You're going to learn how to parry. And it has a good parry system that actually works. They've, yep. I think they've, they've released the timing a little bit. There's more frames to let you get in there. And it feels really good when you get. So, yes, one way, Michael, you're right. You can beat past their block. Typically with the harder enemies, though, you're going to run out of stamina before you can do mm. that. What they do require you to do is sort of get there into that, that lock in the combat stance, wait for them to attack, parry, and then that will take off a huge chunk, and then you can you can get in there for the, the killing blow. I think, honestly, I was probably about 40 or 50 hours in when I finally realized that the key to beating bosses is not just scoring hits, mm-hmm. that you have to whittle down their health meter, mm-hmm. and that lets them guard for less time before yeah. they can... Uh, like the, the weaker they are, the less they can guard, and the less they can guard, the easier it is for you to beat down their defenses and deliver a killing blow. Mm-hmm. Like it's an interesting dynamic, and it's not like anything else that the Souls games or really any games have ever done. Mm-hmm. Again, very uh, think... tactical, which I really like. And mm. I mean, you guys were kind of alluding to the fact that it forces you to engage with the combat. Uh, another aspect of that is it takes away the kind of RPG elements of the Souls games, uh, which, uh, on the positive side, I think that it it really did force you to really think about the combat rather than just being able to, I don't know, uh, get so powerful that effectively you can't be touched by using yep, the yeah, cheapest yeah. weapons and the, all of that. Mm-hmm. that yeah. That's what I meant by you're, you're always you using through. the same sword. Yeah. yeah, yeah which I, is I, unusual. I think what I meant, yeah, is you don't, in, in Souls games, if you weren't good enough to get through an area, you could grind long enough where you were just so overpowered that, okay, you, you kind of were able to get mm-hmm. through. This game doesn't let you do that. And I think, I'll, Kat, I'll let you finish your point there. I'm so sorry to, to interrupt, but I think that's that's what I was trying to say earlier. Oh, the, the, the downside of that is it gave rise to the second worst debate of the in, of 2019 so far. Ah, yes. Oh, yeah. Accessibility and difficulty... And I don't know how the two of those things got intertwined into being the same debate, but uh, they did. And it well, it's because there's a lot of people who've built an identity on saying "get good," right? But but they the argument challenged by that, yeah. But then, but all of a sudden, an argument about difficulty in games and options which let you bypass areas due to difficulty also got intertwined with people like me. It's like I'm colorblind and I can't see the color red when it shows up on the screen. And why is this the same? discussion you know it shouldn't there but but then i you know we i talked to a few people who did explain to me how that does get interwoven in is there are some disabilities that you can have that actually make it so that yeah you can't control and and get you can't your level of skill can never match um you know Mm -hmm. to 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 beat the game game. yeah Yeah. thank you michael yes adhd i'll never be able to learn (laughs) and get good at anything i'll never have the patience to beat the guardian ape thing i found frustrating about that (laughs) debate was on the one hand i one of the things that originally drew me in about demon souls was that it was a direct repudiation of the trend of triple a games at that time which Mm -hmm. was to basically be completely mindless and demon souls gloried in how hard it was and i thought that was great and at some point that got twisted into this frankly obnoxious gatekeeping of mm-hmm. get good that was personified in get good and yeah uh, and also kind of tapped into like this show-offy nature of games that goes way back to the very core of games and so now we're sitting here arguing about things that are embedded into the very dna of video games that 
go back to when people used to play Defender for 18 hours straight to get just to get to a high score, right? And it touched on the ev- where games are and where they're going and what we want games to be. But I didn't feel like you could have a an actual discussion about this because you had people on one hand saying that it was purely about people with disabilities and therefore like there was no wiggle room whatsoever. And on the other hand, you had people screaming their head off about how if you couldn't access this game, go away. And mm-hmm, I just, mm-hmm. I could not stand it. I, I just did not feel like there was any discussion to be had at a certain point. Yeah, right. It's a bit like I don't know what you're talking about, Cat, because I watch all movies the hardest and read all books the fastest. <laughs> I watch all movies with sound turned down, so yeah. I just have to infer yeah. what the, the characters mean. The thing is that mean. video games are there to be beaten in some ways. Like there are games mm-hmm. that are there to be engaged with as a story, and there are some games that are there to be conquered. And and Dark mm-hmm. Souls, the Soulsborne games, are games to be conquered. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. I, it's my, like the only thing I'll say is I, we talked about this a bunch in previous episodes, but I love the Souls games because of how it organically got me to learn to be better by incentivizing not dying enough. And and I think remember we we didn't know when we were talking about the game that, that we thought we got hung up on the idea that the more you die, the more the plague spreads throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Which turns out, like, it's not really no, the case. But, like, isn't. when I was playing the first weekend, it was in my my head. And I was I was just pissed that I, I like, no, I'll go practice the shit out of all this combat. And I could never get to be... I was never able to recreate my skill and training in the real world. And I felt every time I died, I was contaminating the world more. Mm. And I got crazy frustrated. Mm. And and I don't know. It, like my only dis- my major disappointment in it is that it wasn't a Souls game. It didn't really. It, I felt like it encouraged me to not encounter people more. And uh, and well, I don't to know. To be fair, you are a ninja. You are supposed yeah. to be stealthy. It's a Tenchu meets Souls game. Yeah. Really. And, and, and I, I don't lean towards stealth. I, That's not I want my thing. to say some genuinely good things about this game now. Uh, I, yeah. Just to balance things out, uh, I, I do feel like, so I think the exploration in this is an absolute blast. Mm-hmm. I love the way that the worlds are set up where, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, just getting around with the Shinobi prosthetic is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, the level design is excellent too. Like, yeah, the level design is great. There are mysteries on top of mysteries. It does mm-hmm. that uh, from software thing where it's a little bit obtuse. It doesn't explain explain a lot of things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and a part of the fun is kind of sort of testing the limits of these things that you encounter and seeing what they do and maybe discovering interesting new ways to kill them or interact with them um, and being surprised when say certain big enemies come back to life and start screaming at you in ways that uh, make you die very quickly (laughs) and it's gorgeous Uh, yeah yeah, it's got that thing that all the, the souls games have which it becomes a game of how far can I venture from mm-hmm. a shrine to explore? Yeah, uh, maybe you'll find a big headless ghost that'll pull your soul out of your ass and shove it into its own ass. <laughs> but I like moments yeah. like when the man, when the castle's on fire in the flashbacks, and mm-hmm. how gorgeous yeah. that is! Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. from software yeah. games like- actually aren't the most visually advanced, but they speak to right. how important mm-hmm. amazing art direction can be. And mm-hmm. yeah, like. That's why that's one reason that I like from software games as much as I do yeah. is that they just stand out in the mind for how mm-hmm. how stark distinct they are. And I hate I hate to bring this up because it got so caught up in that uh, difficulty and accessibility debate, but this game still does 
have those rewarding moments, which really it's the core of, of Souls game design, which is if you butt your head against the wall enough and, and to get good enough to get past a boss, you feel rewarded. You feel like you've earned that victory over yes. those difficult bosses. Yeah, that's, that's another thing. And you can, you can always have a sense with these games of like, I know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the right thing. I'm just messing up and not getting quite there. But I can I can almost feel it. Mm-hmm. I can feel victory. Mm-hmm. And if I just persist long enough, I right. can pull this just off. Just one or two more attempts. That's all it'll mm-hmm. take. I'll yeah. get it. I'll it get 30 it. attempts later, just one or two yeah. more attempts. It's it's. I know I know what you're saying. That just never clicked with me with this game. I, I, a game I wanted to vote for was Bloodstained because I did get it from that. Mm. But there are too many broken things in that very expensive game. Oh, <laughs> you must, are you playing the Switch version? <laughs> no. Oh, the Switch version is is the buggiest. They've had no, the Xbox One. Like the text goes out of the box and like things dis- disappear and reappear. Oh, it's it's crazy buggy for a thing that's been in development. Mm-hmm. But whatever. It's it's. I, I wish I could call it could have called it game of the year, but. You want but to talk I think, about another uh, game? You want to talk about the game that's the opposite of Sekiro in terms of art design? Mm-hmm. It's a game where you that's suffer that. the art design. Oh dear! It's not a pretty game. Oh, what do yes. you want? Oh, oh no, you I mean Bloodstain? Oh, okay, I thought oh. you were gonna. I, wait, I was waiting for game. the big delivery. I'm yeah. like, what game is that? Sekiro's gorgeous. Bloodstain, maybe not so uh. gorgeous. Oh, hmm. I, well, I go that, back and that forth. Is, take, I have to I know. give them credit, though. I have to give them credit because they put out that trailer a month or two ago where they were like showing fan comments saying like, this looks like poop. <laughs> and so they, they gave the game a makeover and yeah. uh, and yeah, upgraded the, tra- the graphics a bit. That was the kindest anyone's ever been a YouTube commenter. <laughs> oh, man. But I, it's kind of, yeah, I've never seen anyone do that in the trailer. It said then now like yeah. they were but but first it said poop now and then they deleted poop and wrote in that oh, <laughs> in fairness um, I, but, I do plan to be nice to something in this conversation we're getting there all right, all right. i okay i'm i'm positive on both but our five here, and our four here's the thing i think sekiro's greatest achievement might be that it made me want to hang out more with a gross half-naked old man my left arm what did you do to me that is what i call the shinobi prosthetic, a fitting fang for a one-armed wolf. Useless when it comes to carving Buddha, though. Yes, tell me more about carving this Buddha. <laughs> what? You didn't play it in the original Japanese? You must be gay. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to recreate the awful fan uh, <sighs> People were never more obnoxious than talking. Well, about this if game. I play game, if I play clips in Japanese, people are going to assume we're talking about Yakuza for the four hundredth time, and, mm. uh... <laughs> or that we're Evangelion fans. Mm. Why does everybody keep calling it Evangelion? T- it's Evangelion. Oh, sorry. No, no, I definitely heard Jelly when Bill Cosby was promoting <laughs> it um, several years. Uh, ago. I can tell you the reason I called it that cat. It's because anime was a mistake, period. Yeah. Hard stop. I call it that because there was a parody in the 90s called uh, Evangelie Donut. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just, they did, a, it was a fan dub. Clever. Mm-hmm. Was that a, I was at 7-Eleven yeah. in 2013 and they they literally had Evangelie Donuts. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's so crazy to think, I didn't even realize that series was gone until it appeared on Netflix mm-hmm. and people started I started reading about it because, like, last time I was in Japan, it was everywhere. Yep. People are really pissed off on Twitter about it. Well, they screwed it up. Off. On Why? Twitter? Twitter's such a kind platform. <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> All right. Let's move along. Sucky Rose, great. Number three. I love this music. 
long, but I felt it was important. We're to getting get a full the Alien Band has, back together, baby. Mm-hmm. Your game of the year, game music of the year. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good. What is this? The Outer Wilds. The Outer Wilds. Mm-hmm. Why is this Which, only uh, number three? This is going to be. <laughs> this is going to be a game of the year in many quarters. You think? Oh yeah, yeah. Like huh. Polygon. I can already tell you, Polygon's going to name it their game of the year. Oh wow! Okay. Like, I mean, I it's, it's really good. I don't know that it's my game of the year. I did. I did finally finish it. People who love it love it. Mm-hmm. I love it, but I, I love the next two games a little bit more. Ah. I think. Um, but I, yeah, I keep going back and forth because it's fucking Majora's Mask esque. <laughs> mm-hmm. If if you if I if I go to bed and if I don't play the game for uh, like three days, I'm like, wait, what the fuck was I doing? Yeah, uh, the whole world is reset. Never mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to yeah. talk about so, this game. So, Outer Wilds, I, we've we've mm-hmm. talked about it before, but this is a game that uh, it it tells you very little, and it's best played uh, knowing almost nothing about it. So, I'm going to try to keep spoilers to a minimum. But it's it's a game where you are exploring a solar system in real time. Everything is explorable. You can travel directly from one planet to the other, all in first person. Uh, it's a very small solar system. It's mm-hmm. about maybe 40 kilometers across. So uh, I don't know what that means. I'm American. Your home planet, well, it, that's how the game relates it. I'm not going to convert I, it. Right I believe now. that's 50 <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you start out uh, on your home planet, which as you quickly find out is a little crater on a little planet that is orbited by a tiny moon where a lonely little man sits and whistles by himself but that music that we just played is on on the different planets in the solar system you will encounter other explorers from your species and if you line up your you can use a sensor scope to to find their instruments to hone in on them if you line them up just right you'll find that they're all playing the same song together in unison despite the fact that they're on different planets. Mm-hmm. But the key thing here is that you are basically living a Groundhog Day scenario where 22 minutes after your first space launch, uh, the sun goes supernova and you get to hear this a lot. I wish I could recreate the first time I, that happened to me when mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Because it, it's such slow, <laughs> creeping death <laughs> from space. Mm-hmm. Well, I, Maybe it, I can outrun this. Oh, fuck! Yeah, it went, it went from being like, what is this blue energy that pops up every once in a while? It's like the Yeti from Ski Free. Like, how do I get away from this? <laughs> it's the Nexus. I'm going to meet William Shatner. Yeah. Yeah. Probably kill him. And it, and it went from not understanding that to being able to recognize the music that pops up about a minute before it happens. That's the wrap it up music from Outer Wilds. Pretty nuts. That's, that's letting you know whatever you're doing, whatever puzzle you're, you're solving, you better hurry up because you're about to have to start over. But yeah, it's the Dr. Katz, uh, you know what the music means. Mm-hmm. But The key thing is, even though you reset, you're stuck in this time loop over and over again, you retain all of your memories for yeah, what it's happened. it's much kinder than Majora's Mask. Yeah, and also somehow your spaceship also retains all these memories, and so... Mm-hmm. You have a log of all the mysteries that you've uncovered and solved, 
and uh, they they kind of evolve in this this web that you can explore. And I think that the the cool, really cool thing about this game is that there's what like five six planets you can explore, and every one of them is like a puzzle box, like. Here's one with water and tornadoes, and how do you figure out this this place's secrets? And uh, here's this other place where you meet these fucking things for some reason. Slowly drift past the giant monster. Try not to draw its attention. Lion face. <laughs> I, I, I ah, lion face. <laughs> I want to finish this game so bad, but like, mm. I, if I could, I just don't have a lot of time uh, to play games in one sitting. But like, when I first loaded this up, it's. I love that there's the. This is for a different conversation. There's all this talk about Epic Game Store exclusives, but somehow every Epic Game Store exclusive becomes an Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> exactly. and, like, who gives a shit? Like, all you got to do is pay $400 for that system and never worry about it again. Yeah. Well, apparently, some of the listeners uh, were commenting that this game, like, Microsoft gave it away a year ago for, like, watching the E3 mixer stream or watch, watching some mixer stream or something mm. like that. So, Crazy. yeah, yeah, it's, it's... Well, it's, yeah, it was it was a, a Kickstarter game, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And, 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 and so when I first sat down to play it, I'm like, well, let's see what this is about. And I was engrossed for hours. Every time mm-hmm. I load it up now, I forget what's happened and I have to, like, reconnect. It, it's just tough. It's the same problem I had with Majora's Mask. Mm-hmm. H- however... The best compliment I can give this game, when I was a little kid in the late 80s talking about what we thought games could be, it was exactly what's in Outer Wilds. Mm. Mm -hmm. About the idea of, like, sooner or later we'll be able to get in a spaceship and travel to different planets and explore different planets. And and we've done that in different games. It's just, like, it's not fast and it's not paced well and it's not meaningful. Yeah. And... I don't know. This this is some weird realization of like everything I thought the medium could do. It, you know, it's funny to, to me. This game is quite a throwback to the eighties. Like I know it's doing things you could never do with eighties games, mm-hmm. but there are, it it just has that feeling of like those early. I'm talking early PC games. Like, do you remember like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy on Apple II? Like the that text level, adventure? yeah, where you're like having to figure things out, and it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this is what this game reminded me of a lot. Yeah, it makes, and it's I should say it's nonviolent completely. Like you, you don't ever kill anything. Sometimes things kill you, but uh, giant supernova, for mm-hmm, example. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of yeah. No Man's Sky, but good. <laughs> and this, also much smaller. This is yeah. speaking as somebody who put probably a hundred hours into No Man's Sky at this point. Uh, it just goes to show that. Maybe No Man's Sky erred in trying to make a giant procedurally generated, but ultimately not that interesting universe. Whereas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what I wanted out of No Man's Sky was functionally what we got out of The Outer Wilds, which was this mm-hmm. really lovely, very contained, handcrafted uh, solar system that you could spend hours and hours exploring. It's the kind of solar system you could get on Etsy. Crafted it, it by just, an artisan. Like it, it was that, that argument I had towards people so mad at No Man's Sky. It's like, because everything they told you is like, this is really fun to watch and read about. Mm-hmm. It won't be fun to play. Hmm. And then they, Outer Wilds makes a solar system that's all worth exp- I, Did you ever have an experience in Outer Wilds when you didn't realize you were on the same planet you were just on? 
Mm, no, just because like there's there's so many ways to fly around and like um and, and land places like oh this is on the same planet the whole time yeah well, well that's a key thing that, yeah like the planets will change as each twenty two minute cycle yeah. unfolds so if you visit a planet at the beginning of the cycle and then at the end it might be completely different mm-hmm. from how you remember yeah it's very much like the uh, Outback Steakhouse Bloomin' Onion it's like this small little <laughs> universe but there's layers that reveal themselves as uh-huh. the, as uh-huh. the game goes yeah. on yeah. Yep. Yes, it's a ranch-based dipping sauce. <laughs> if you pay extra. At least one planet is much bigger on the God. inside than it is on the outside. I must be hungry. You must <laughs> Make be. food analogies. <laughs> Starving over here. It's like one in the morning. Uh, oh, shit. Where's my chili's at? All right. Well, yeah, but I, I absolutely love Outer Wilds. Mm-hmm. It, it 100% deserves a place on oh, this wait, list. Wait, Cad, Cad, you said that you think this should be higher? Yeah, I think it should be number one because it's self-evidently <laughs> going to win all the awards. It's the, obviously, yeah, like, looking at again. this top five, it's... Maybe outside of the next game is the most clever thing on this list. Mm. It's mm. it's an almost it, painfully smart game. And will it win awards on its own merits, or will it be mistaken for Outer Worlds? Because that's just going to trip everybody <laughs> up all year. Long. I feel like everybody I told about Outer Wilds are like, "Oh, that's out the Bethesda one." Yeah, like, no, that's different. Yeah, well, that's not the Bethesda. Yeah. It's uh, Obsidian. Oh, I oh guess Obsidian. Yes, you know, you're right. Obsidian. That's what I meant. But it well. It, I can see the confusion because the Fallout New Vegas team. Cat, who's publishing that one? Is that Microsoft publishing? No, it's private or did division. They already no. have a publisher. Uh, okay. Microsoft mm-hmm. actually. It, it's even though Microsoft owns Obsidian now, it's going to be on all consoles and it's not an exclusive or anything. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's Microsoft's like mo lately. Like they want all their shit to be everywhere. So. Well, Cat, if you're fired up to talk about the next one, let's move on to number two. If yeah. Sekiro was uh, Ninja Dark Souls, this is Ninja Hotline Miami. <laughs> yep. What is this? It, this is uh, Katana Zero. Sure is. When I saw this game at PAX East uh, for the first time, like I had missed out at previous showings. I thought, oh, cool. This looks like a really interesting kind of Ninja Gaiden-y game with the kind of art style that I really like and cool music. I'm in. And it turned out to be uh, quite a bit more than that. And yes, it... It is like a pretty direct riff on Hotline Miami, but it does things that I really, really like, especially with the the dialogue. And there was a moment like relatively early on where I, I'll try not to spoil it, but basically because I waited long enough for dialogue to appear, like I took the time to talk to somebody that maybe I wouldn't ordinarily have talked to. And... Mm-hmm that had a direct impact in a way that really surprised me after a mission was complete and it made me smile. And I was like, oh yeah, that's really clever. Good job. So I I think that a lot of games want to be Hotline Miami, but can't quite swing it. And this game, while it superficially looks a lot like Hotline Miami, definitely has its own vibe. And I think it really works. I love that they give the repeated deaths like a lore reason for how this can, can, can happen. I love that... Like cat, like you said, the, the the dialogue, the interrupt system. They've taken something that many you know game players have done over the years, which is like I just want to spam the buttons to get past dialogue. And they mm-hmm. said, well, you can do that. It's going to change the outcome of the story a little bit, but go right ahead. Oh no! <laughs> it's going to really piss people off if you interrupt them. At That's the what wrong I did moment. like mm-hmm. several mm-hmm. times for the first time. I so early on, you're so you're in a therapist. 
and I was just clicking through so I could keep going to the next mission. And they were like, oh, yeah, all right, let's give, give you your shot now. Fine, whatever. <laughs> and I didn't realize yeah. that actually I needed to wait on the dialogue. So it it was an interesting moment when I went, oh, I was just cutting everybody off. Well, that's embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> You're yeah. being an asshole. <laughs> I, I still want to go back and do a, a, a rude, an asshole run through of just cutting mm-hmm. people off every dialogue option I get to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I yeah I, I I quickly learned like oh I should be patient, even though it's like I, it's like hey I can read faster than this is scrolling on the screen. It's like well fine I'll just sit here and yeah check my phone or whatever while I wait for it to pop up. <laughs> <laughs> Love Katana Zero though. Uh, this is the second game that was on our biggest surprises list yeah, that is also yeah, yeah. on our, our best of the year so far. But I think it deservedly so. It's it's really good and really cheap. Fifteen dollar game and it's it's been on sale. I I think it's. Might be part of the Steam sale right now. Yeah, I, I initially thought this was going to be yeah, like like you said, like a Ninja Gaiden something, like sort of like the Messenger or something. It like, looked like which, the Messenger. Messenger yeah. is also really good, uh, but yeah, like it, I, I really didn't expect it to be what it was. That it's it, it when I say it's like Hotline Miami, like uh, I would actually disagree that it looks like it. It looks like something else completely, mm-hmm. but. The, the flow of each level where you're like busting down doors and killing the person standing behind it and like grabbing a meat cleaver and throwing it into the next guy and then just like slicing up a bunch of dudes often in slow motion slicing bullets in half <laughs> yeah. like it, it really is like Hotline Miami but with time manipulation and superpowers yeah, it gives you bullet time which mm-hmm. is really cool because yeah. Hotline Miami just eventually became uh, especially the sequel it was you know talk about difficulty where some people just couldn't progress that far into the sequel because it mm. it kind of picked up where the first game left off with 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 kind of that game style so yeah yeah this game at least gives you that out which is you get the bullet time option to slow things down and get past some of the rougher segments of enemies i really like the all the sequences right. that are happening in the apartment where you're meeting random people like mm. a little girl when where you're seeing the neighbors dancing next door yeah <laughs> And then you see what happens to those. Well, you're, you're kind of wondering like what's going on with them because one night they're dancing and obviously having a party. There's another night where you see them clearly strung out on the couch watching TV. So it's telling its own little story <laughs> just right there as well. Mm-hmm. And I always really like that. Yeah. And, you know, as we said before, the, the conceit of Katana Zero is that your character can see the future. And so... All the action sequences are just you actually plotting out what mm-hmm. you're about to do. And then when you make it through successfully, your character's like, oh, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. And then you get to see like a security camera replay of it. Yeah, but you talk about Story Cat. Uh, so the way this game plays out, it's sort of in, in short acts. Mm-hmm. And I just found myself wanting to keep playing through each act because the story was compelling. I wanted to see what was going on. I wanted to kind of uncover... I won't give anything away, but there's there's sort of a mystery behind this game. You're slowly trying to figure mm. things out over time and figure out how you kind of got to this state. And to me, that that was compelling as hell. That was one of my favorite things, actually, about Hotline Miami was sort of that side story of, well, yeah. why does this guy do the stuff he does? Mm. Um, and I think this game actually does a little bit better job of that, and it's a really yeah. good story. One where you interact with people besides an illusory pizza man slash mm-hmm. convenience store clerk. Exactly. I think my parting shot is that I, this is kind of obvious, and this has been a case for like 10 years now, but I'm constantly amazed that 
a lot of the sharpest, most interesting games that are coming out now are games that honestly, you know, they're definitely not the most attractive looking games when it comes to to graphical fidelity and, and such. And it's been interesting to watch uh, the importance of graphics just reduce and reduce and reduce. Mm-hmm. I think looking at the list, this top five, there's only one game on here that I would say has truly top of the line graphics. The others are traffic much more in great ideas, interesting gameplay. Well, except for Kingdom Hearts three. Chris, wake up. <laughs> and I'm really glad that we live in a world where a game can, like Katana Zero can exist on a platform like the Switch. Yeah, I, th- I think what's interesting about that is, you know, we talk about the increasing costs of game development and games are getting more and more expensive. Really, when we say that, we're mostly talking about assets, graphics, things like story. Yeah, if you to get a good writer, good writers aren't, aren't, aren't cheap, but um, things like gameplay... They're not necessarily expensive as much as they are. They, they take time and refinement, you know, mm. versus versus assets are straight up. There's there's no going around it. You need artists. You need a team of, of good artists and you need a ton of time to be able to pay the, that team to create assets. But yeah, these more indie games, they don't need to take as much time with that stuff. And they really are just resting on excellent gameplay mm-hmm. and good storytelling. Mm-hmm. And yeah, more and more people are finding, well, that's really what I'm here for, you know. Well, all that said... Jesus Christ! Oh God, it's the most terrifying game of the year. <laughs> I love that you took the mod version. <laughs> the Breath of the Wild mod? What's That's that? the, uh, the Thomas, oh, yes, sorry. Thomas, Thomas the Tank, Tank Engine, Engine mod, mod for Resident Evil 2. Remake. Parentheses yeah. 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, um, I um... and and also the the second game on this list that has a Thomas the Tank Engine mod, the first being <laughs> for the giant snake in Sekiro. Yes, oh man, which is also a great terrifying Amazing. moment. Amazing, um, yeah. but yes, that that is a modified version of uh, Mr. X or the Tyrant that mm-hmm. is actually, I think, one of the most consistently terrifying parts of this game. Mm-hmm. Even hours and hours in, after everything else has lost its scary luster. Something about those footprints stomping close to your hiding place and then yeah. slowly stomping away. And really annoying um, in my second playthrough is Claire. It's just like he, he appears so much sooner where you're just like, Jesus Christ. Like you, you about halfway through, I think your first playthrough, you come to recognize Mr. X as just a mechanic. He's sort of mm-hmm. a uh, this is what's keeping you from freely exploring the house just at your own leisure where he's there to kind of hurry you along, but also kind of make you figure out things pretty quickly because he might he might be there yeah. to kind of stalk you well what i what i love about one of the things that i love about this other than it it, t- it took all the ideas that made resident evil 2 one of the best ideas on mm-hmm. playstation mm-hmm. it updated them refined them it still like maintains that same sense of fun mm-hmm. yet however many years later and almost 20 years later. Yeah. Uh, more than 20. Probably exactly 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it updates it, and then it also reshuffles it. This isn't just mm-hmm. a prettier version of the same experience. Yeah. This is, like, 
Mr. X was in the original game something you didn't see until like your B-side second playthrough mm-hmm. uh, where he just, he was a huge surprise and he'd just show up and menace you and he'd chase you around and I, I think they add him earlier on in this one just keep you on your toes and also so you don't miss that great sense of continually being stalked by an indestructible menace. Yeah, and you talk about this isn't just a shot-for-shot shot remake. Like, this is a true remake in every mm-hmm. sense of the word in that they, yeah, they, they reshuffle things just enough where if you've played the original, like, they're going to hit the same beats, this, the overall Yeah, but, beats like, the, the goals are different. But, but oh, yeah, overall, the story beats are similar. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, But it is, it's it's a completely different game. So if you've been shying away, like, oh, I played Resident Evil 2 back in the day, it's like, no, you owe it to yourself. This is... A new game and and one of the best Resident Evil games. Period. I think that Resident Evil Two shows that Capcom is the anti EA at the moment. How's Their that? engine is the anti Frostbite, hmm. in that it is clearly a very flexible piece of technology that can be applied in a lot of like really good ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devil May Cry Five is not on this list, but it's another excellent Capcom action game. And Capcom, uh, Devil May Cry Five, and Resident Evil are actually very different games with different requirements and such, but they're two really dang good-looking games. Like, really great. Uh, yeah. Resident Evil 2 looks amazing. It is an incredible reimagination of a, a 90s classic. Uh, that's not easy to do. There are so many bad remakes and remasters and updates out there, and this easily could have been a completely obnoxious, uh, tank-controlling, mm-hmm. like straight-out-of-1998 kind of game, and it, it, it wasn't. Yeah. In fact, I would say that, I mean, Outer Wilds is certainly going to be up there, but my team loves Resident Evil 2, yeah. and I almost guarantee that it's going to be very heavily in Game of the Year discussions. I think it just deserves credit for somehow managing to make zombies scary again. coming in through windows or crawling out of lockers unexpectedly. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the 90s thing, Kat. Have you guys seen that that meme lately? It's like the movie posters uh, of all the movies currently in theaters right now. And it's like, yeah, 90s kids are back where it's basically what's in theaters? Toy Story, a Men in Black yep. movie. Mm-hmm. So, so this is just another example. Men in Black, Godzilla and Aladdin. Yeah, Godzilla and Aladdin, yeah. That's why I brought it up, because I was thinking that exact thing. It's like, yeah, it sure is the 90s this <laughs> yeah, year, isn't it? Yeah, we got Resident <laughs> Evil 2 again. 2019, the year the 90s came back. <laughs> fine. What's the best game of E3? Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think we're just locked into a 20-year nostalgia cycle at this point. Pretty much. Right? We sure yeah, are. Yeah. I mean, the 2000s was the 80s, and the 90s was the 70s for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never understood why the 90s was the 70s. I had friends because who Because everyone who makes stuff for you is 20 years old. <laughs> yep. Well, it's just yep. the reason when we were all kids, it was a big 50s resurgence. So, mm-hmm. God, yeah. that was awful. Remember Fun Rock? Nick, 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 Nick. Nickelodeon. Hey, we did get really cool hamburger joints out of that. Uh-huh. I had to figure out who Alley Oop was based on that song being popular for some reason. Hey, I will admit that I watched Donna Reed on Nick at Night and I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I watched My Three Sons and liked it. Like. Well, I think another unsung way that this improves on the original RE2 is by having better dialogue or at least much more naturalistic dialogue. <laughs> Sometimes inappropriately naturalistic. It's so nice to see you. How are you doing? That helicopter just came out yeah. of nowhere. 
I'm in one piece. I'm guessing you don't have a key in one of those fancy pockets? Uh, unfortunately, no. Mm. But how are you doing? You know, <laughs> just surviving. That's good. Yeah. Any luck with your brother? No, not yet. Claire, don't lose hope. I'm sure we're gonna find him. <laughs> <laughs> what a nuisance. That sounded like the worst coffee date ever. <laughs> like, oh, how you doing? Oh, you know, yeah. surrounded by zombies. I'm good. You got any keys in that pocket? <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not the master of unlocking. Oh. <laughs> See? They, it was right there in front of them. And mm-hmm. yet. And yet. They had restraint that I didn't. Mm-hmm. Does anyone know what started this? Not a clue. But honestly, all you need to know is that this place will eat you alive if you aren't careful. Often literally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, again, with the reshuffling, like, it's really interesting to me that, like, yeah, your your main antagonist in the first playthrough is Mr. X. Like, right up to the end. Like, William Birkin, you fight him a couple times, but he's barely there. He He's not the last boss until your second playthrough is Claire or, or, or is Leon, I guess. Uh, that's that's another cool thing that you can... Mm-hmm. You, you There are four different paths that are available to you through the game i was a little bit disappointed i felt like the original game there was there were more differences in the playthroughs like it felt more like you're playing as two characters who are following these parallel but not intersecting paths through the game and you explore different areas whereas this it's you're basically doing the same things exploring the same areas but like you have different keys that will unlock like oh this room wasn't available to Leon but Claire can access it yeah. or yeah sometimes it didn't make sense it's like why am i fighting the same boss again like didn't mm-hmm. i get rid of yeah, didn't Leon the other kill character have killed yeah, yeah exactly yeah. but yeah that's true it, it but it did have enough differences i i only played through two i didn't play through all four mm. variants but i guess by four you're talking about like there's two ways you can see the game as Leon and two ways you can see the yes. game as Claire. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're not talking about Tofu playthroughs or anything like no, that? No, but I, I did play the Hunk playthrough, which I never unlocked in, in the PlayStation version. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that that's fun. It's basically like you start at the end of the game and you have to run all the way to the beginning with limited supplies and constant threats. So, yeah, be, knowing how to avoid zombies is uh, mm-hmm. often better than knowing how to fight them. True. Yeah. yeah, and I never haven't still haven't unlocked tofu, but he's in there. All right, God bless him. Yeah, this this game's really it's really damn good, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just I guess again this recency bias. This was early, pretty early in the year. Yeah, you know? I feel like had this game come out in May or June, like we would we'd be singing its praises even more. It's number yeah. one. <laughs> I, I I can't quibble with this being number one. Honestly, like I mean, I think the top three of Outer Wilds, Katana Zero, and RE2 Remake are all really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, are they as strong as, uh, I don't know, Breath of the Wild um, or God no. of War or Monster Hunter World? I, mean, I think that's kind of debatable, actually. Yeah. But uh, as a top three, very solid. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, this this could be a good transition if we're done with the top five. There were we we had some honorable mentions of other yeah, games yeah, that yeah. we absolutely love. Uh, the... Yeah, Tetris ninety nine would have made it on this list, except that then oh, then this list would have been three fifths the same as the one we did <laughs> yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. yeah, instead of only two fifths. <laughs> uh, I ironically, for me, played a ton of Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. Really, and oh, I'm ashamed about it every day. What's wrong with you? Uh, no, it's just it's it it's a it's an unbelievably free solid game. It's it might be one of the best free to play games I've ever seen. Mm. 
but I, I just I couldn't really learn how to get better at it because I don't I don't want to invest in I don't want to I like to play games as my hobby not as my lifestyle <laughs> fuck Apex Legends <laughs> I can I can see but I played a ton of it and it was it was good I can see four games on this list that I would well three games on this list that I would probably put in the top five maybe okay. over Sekiro and oh actually actually um. Trying to just get a, uh, I knew it wouldn't be my game of the year, but I was looking at, um, thanks to Games Pass, Metro Exodus, which is pretty excellent. Mm-hmm. That's really, um, yeah. I really overlooked one for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, but it, it but it's, it is like playing a 2014 game. Uh, it is, it is a first person shooter that is so scripted and on rails. Mm. It is, it, it, it was almost a breath of fresh. How is it playing <laughs> that? Tonight's you've been... discussion: Kingdom Hearts three, mm. straight out of 2002. Uh, <laughs> And Metro Exodus, straight out of 2014. Resident, Resident Evil 2, 2, straight out of 98. But I'll tell you, you know what heightens it? Well, go watch HBO. I was just about Chernobyl. to ask you, how is yeah. it playing that game after watching Chernobyl? Because, uh, yeah, playing do that. Chernobyl it, it, it is a made good... me want to go play Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. That's true. I wonder how many people did buy that game after. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sure quite a few. So, yeah, I mean, other games that I felt like uh, merited mention, I, I brought it up earlier. It wasn't a joke. I think MLB The Show 19, for some reason, I've, I've uh. had an itch to play sports games lately. I think it was the fact that, like, Madden, the the best version of Madden from last year was, like, 12 bucks, and then NBA 2K19 was, like, 3 bucks. And then I, I, I picked up MLB The Show, and um, I will say the reason that game makes the list for me is it is refreshing in that it doesn't, just barrage you with microtransactions the entire time like it lets you get in there so it does have them it they're in there they're in there but it's best mode and i think the mode most people will spend time in is that road to the show mode um which i'm not huge on the campaign mode in the madden games like i think they drag on a little bit too much between the actual football playing scenes but are you talking about long shot yeah long shot mode that's well, dead now no more long shot. Yeah, but uh, I, but I really do enjoy MLB The Show 19. It's one of those things where I can play a video baseball game every, like, five years or so. And so I'd heard great things. Um, actually, I think it was from Matt Piscatello, who's who's a he's an analyst on Twitter, a video game industry analyst. And he was saying, this is, like, game of the year. So I picked it up. It's really good. It's really good. I know, Kat, you wrote, you wrote a pretty good review of the game as well up there. on. Yeah, US I gave Gamer. it a perfect score. Uh, it I, I feel pretty lucky because the best version of MLB the show this generation coincides with my baseball team being really good too so I can actually enjoy this one but <laughs> the bad news bears uh, are good this year They're... sorry I was teasing so the bad news bears who's your team the Minnesota Twins uh, of course you Vikings yeah. god you guys are nerds <laughs> uh the other game so um Michael and I both really enjoyed Days Gone you enjoyed it too yes I've told you I've enjoyed that Have you? Game. oh okay why yeah. Cause, cause it's great. <laughs> it's, well, I, I, I don't understand the criticisms against it because, like, okay, yes, the it's dialogue boring. is Come it's on. Not boring. It is no. the most paint by numbers open world game. You with get to explore a beautiful it's... wilderness on a bike that God. you continually upgrade. Have, the zombie hordes alone make it worth the price of admission. They're so much fun to fight. You know what I think Matt, it secretly Matt is? was pointing out that it was totally written by like a 60-year-old dude because it has a hero, a biker hero named Deacon St. John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not to rag on our listeners who are 50-something years old. I just wanted to point yeah. that out. They, they do make fun of his they name don't exist. It's okay. in the game. Uh, I think maybe the reason Michael probably won't say this, that we both enjoy it, is we're we're both Assassin's Creed fans, and so we like open world games with like little 
side things to do, and this game is full of oh, that. Oh, I like that mm. you managed to sneak in the Assassin's Creed plug. Well done, you. <laughs> I don't work for you. It wasn't me. Anymore. Uh, but <laughs> my, my, one of my votes for Game of the Year was Far Cry New Mine Dawn, too. which I didn't want to have to justify yeah. in any I way. I really like that game. I know, um, I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of Far Cry 5, and this was, I think I said at the time, a very streamlined version of Far Cry 5. Like, Far Cry 5 had a more a, a, wait, a, a more weighty story to tell, whereas this game was just it, it was having a lot more oh, fun. There's, with there's it. like no story, and there's no there's no moments. And I was playing Metro and just sort of realizing like, well, when do I get to unlock my hang glider suit? Oh, I have to meet this person and talk mm. to them for mm-hmm. five minutes. Oh, that's why I like. Far I mean, there's Cry. story and moments tr- toward the end. Uh, I, I won't spoil anything, but uh, that game really goes some places, especially mm-hmm. if you've played five. But it's not. It's not very. It's not as long. It just. It's just a. Fa- <laughs> it's a fast-moving uh, open-world first-person shooter, which is something. Yeah, like I. I don't know. It's like I prefer that rather than I don't know. I. I, I can't. Yeah, I heard you sighing though. Like, I, not. Not a fan of of the new Don. Of what? I was. I heard Cat sighing when we brought it up. Are you uh, not necessarily a fan of Far Cry New Dawn? Oh, no one wants to go to bat for this at all. I mean, I clear as you have learned from this podcast. I clearly hate everything. But <laughs> I just think there are three better games on this list that we haven't even hmm. talked about. One of them is Baba Is You, which is a phenomenal game and I, incredibly I spent, clever. I spent and, years looking forward to Baba Is You, and my interest, to be perfectly honest, kind of petered out when I realized. It's beyond me to actually solve these puzzles. I, I got to the point where I was like looking up solutions for all of them and realizing I could never come up with this on my own. Mm. And and then like I'm not, I don't want to keep playing if I'm just looking up solutions to puzzles. That that's self defeating. So mm. yeah. So the one game on this list. Smartest person that I know, and I I mean I know that might like sound like damning with faint praise if you know me no i I appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) the smartest person i know who's not really into games but does really enjoy interesting puzzles uh we showed him baba's you and he just took the game and did not budge from in front of the tv for the next like four hours playing that game and just would periodically do kind of a little giggle of delight when he suddenly discovered what the solution was because they're so clever. Oh my mm-hmm. god, it's mm-hmm. brilliant! It's an amazing word game. Mm. I want. There's a game on on our honorable mention list that Cat. I know you were a fan of. I want to know more about it because uh, I like this type of game and it seems like a, a fresh take on it. Uh, tell me about Slay the Spire. Uh, yeah. So basically, it's a game where you're trying to reach the top of a spire uh but the spire it it takes place over the course of three acts you're playing with one of three different classes we're all very different it's a heavily card based game uh Mm -hmm. ccg uh and basically it's a drafting game so as you're playing you're building your deck as you go and so you have to really understand your character classes and you have to know which cards to pick and you have to kind of have a, a pretty decent grasp of the concepts of CCG. It's not for the faint-hearted, but it is fairly accessible, ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, if you are willing to sit down and kind of learn the vocabulary around it. Uh, full disclosure, I don't really like a game like Magic, but I was completely engrossed in Slay the Spire mm-hmm. as I beat it with the three different classes. Um, and it was so satisfying when I managed to get to the end with the third one. And then, yeah. of course, once you beat it with the third uh, class, then you unlock the ascensions, and then the game gets keeps getting harder and harder and harder. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a really great advanced element as well. So 
you it's know, on you, Nintendo Switch. Strongly recommend it. It's awesome. And and it's a the the unique part is it's a roguelike, right? It's a roguelike deck building game. And yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And if you that, die, uh, yeah, you have to start over. I mean, that's kind of fine. Like there are some runs where you you just know you're going to die. Like you're just not powerful enough. And mm-hmm. there are some some runs where you're just like, I am so powerful. This is amazing. I am a god. It's amazing. So so most roguelikes though have kind of some element of permanence you know if you if you get far enough you might get a power to make it easier next time does it have any of that or is it really just the luck of the draw if you will with with the deck that that playthrough there are two elements of permanence Uh, as you play the game you kind of level up and that unlocks more powerful cards that will be available for you to select another thing is when you start the game for some reason there's this giant whale thing uh waiting for you and it looks like a space wheel or something, and it let it gives you a buff of some sort. It lets you switch out your character's power, or it gives you a special card, or it can increase your HP. So it mm. kind of gives you a little bit of a leg up to get you started. Sounds awesome. Sound, yeah, sounds cool. It's a great game. It really is. You even if you're feeling, you know, kind of intimidated by card games i think you should pick this one up on switch cool all right well on that note we're gonna take a little break when we come back we're gonna talk about some news and some new releases and some other stuff so stay tuned Get scratching. This week on Laser Time, the internet's seventh leading pop culture podcast, the gang is tackling a brand new topic. I was looking in. I, I meant to look into this more, but it was just so boring. But we were talking about Arbitron ratings for for radio. Arbitrary Arbitron. Because you know how they find out who who's watching the radio. What I say? Are you watching the radio? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes or no? Check, radio. check this box. Yes that, or no? That one has always baffled me. No one has ever asked me. I've been asked to be a Nielsen what? family, but no one's ever asked me like oh. what I listen to on the radio. I, I was an Arbitron like person for a you long were? time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so it works was. through a series of surveys. Yes, right? yes. They they listen. It's actually crazier than that. They would call me and they would play a sample. They'd be like, what radio stations do you listen to? And I would tell them, and they'd say, okay, rate these songs. And they would play like a, like a 20-second snip of songs, and I would be and like... And you were like, none of these are I would be mouth. like, I would be like, don't like, <laughs> like... Nickelback is uh, not my my thing. favorite. You know, it was crazy. It was insane. But that's that's how Arbitron works. And lastly, more candle box, please. Yes, <laughs> always without saying. I have that test. So how did you how did you get that gig? That was a, that was you like had more interesting jobs. God damn, that was not a job. But I, that was not a job. I was a child. I lived in my mom's house, and they were like, "Is Aaron home? <laughs> I, I want to play him some songs and see what he thinks." <laughs> That's Laser Time. New every Monday on LaserTimePodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to our final segment where we will not spend any time talking about our favorite games of the year and instead dive headlong into that segment that is known only as... Gotta admit... 
a little too short this week with that joke, Michael. You could have done more. Yeah, I could have. I could have, but I didn't. Yeah. I didn't because there's so much shit to talk about, Matt. Well, there's so many new releases to talk about. Yeah. 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 There, Gotta there, be honest, it's post oh, E3 show, not a lot of news. <laughs> oh, boy. No, Um. yeah, Judgment is a huge one on yeah. PS4. It's, excuse me, it's a spinoff of the Yakuza games. Mm-hmm. You know we're big fans of the Yakuza Love games. Em. Love them. And yeah. uh, We've been there since the start, as everyone mm-hmm. who listens to the show nope. knows. It's not like we were recent <laughs> converts or anything like that. We've all loved these games since the beginning. We were telling you fucking haters. Uh-huh. You were wrong. Uh-huh. That's bullshit. And well, we if all you know. love Yakuza games, yes. you will love Judgment because it is set in the same open world <laughs> of, of Kamurocho. Why? Well, it's the one question Which, I had at E3. I said, "Is that Kamurocho?" And the the guy yeah. demoing the games like, "Of course it is. Of course it is." <laughs> I've I have played like at least four games set in Kamurocho now, and mm-hmm. I am very familiar with its layout. But I will say this is the best Kamurocho Mm-mm. that I have played. because the best? The best because it is the most complete open world. All of the interiors are seamlessly connected to oh, the shit. exteriors. Oh. Uh, well, except like there are places where you take elevators up to a, a, an upper floor or whatever, but mm-hmm. like there's no loading. Like You just walk in, fade to black, and then you're exiting the elevator. Um it's it's really cool because you can get into fights. Of course, this being a Yakuza spinoff, yeah, you get into fights constantly. They don't explain them at all this time. You're just suddenly some street thugs run out of nowhere. And so it's like, I guess I just get hassled by street thugs all the time. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, but like you can throw them into shop windows and continue the fight inside the shops. Oh, shit. Uh, really? You can actually unlock a perk. That lets you continue to shop at shops after you've trashed them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, I needed some deodorant. Thank uh-huh. you. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's it's great, and it it feels so cool and interconnected. And it's arguably a much sillier game than Yakuza because you're playing now as this uh, this kind of skinny private eye. He's like he's a former lawyer who. Uh, somehow manages to torpedo his career by, like, he he defends this guy and gets him off the hook in Japan. And it, it, it has, like, a commentary on Japan's kind of fucked up legal system, mm. which, uh, or criminal legal system, which relies heavily on confessions and has, like, a 99% conviction rate, and he manages to get this guy off, which is considered very rare and he becomes a superstar because of it but then the guy apparently kills his girlfriend so it destroys his career and so now he can no longer be a lawyer he has to be a private investigator working for lawyers i thought you were gonna say you know he got the guy off and the guy his offense was allegedly doing cocaine which would have been super ironic Uh, because what happened to the voice actor for this game (laughs) uh okay but but it's one of those things that's like i bet that guy was framed Mm. uh it'll probably come out later but uh (laughs) but yeah it it it's like it uh when you compare it to the yakuza games like the fighting is super fast and goofy and frenetic there's like uh, an acrobatic thing uh, or acrobatic element to it where you can like do wall runs and you can get moves that uh like you uh so that you can like throw dudes off of a wall run so you run up a wall jump off and then like just latch onto a guy's head and do this like spinning 360 degree wrestling throw with your ankles around his neck. Yep. And <laughs> the Yakuza series has always secretly sort of been a pro wrestling yeah. series. Yeah. And and it's it's one of those things is like this is such a uh I can survive on the streets fantasy that like the only time you'll ever 
your character will ever really get beaten up and mm-hmm. and just com- be completely outclassed is during cutscenes. Yeah, uh, the rest of the time you can pretty much kick anybody's ass. Yeah, but yeah, it's it it's this great open world that mm-hmm. you can explore. Um, and like I said, it's it's a uh, it's the best it's ever been. It's a lot of fun. There's more arcade games than ever. Oh shit! Uh, that you can play at the at the Sega place. Um, like what? Like so? It's current day, right? Yeah. Okay. It's it's set in 2018. Okay. Uh, you can play not only Space Harrier and Fantasy Zone, which by the way are kind of bugged right now, uh, but I'm sure they'll be fixed later. Mm-hmm. But you can play Fighting Vipers. Okay. You can cool. play Puyo Puyo. You can play uh, Virtual Fighter Five. What was I telling you? Like that to me. I still think the original Animal Crossing might be the best mm-hmm. one because of all the collectible Nintendo games in yeah. there. And the Yakuza series has just been secretly doing that for years. Mm-hmm. Not even secretly. I think we talked about it yeah. on the show. Games, but... games within games. Mm-hmm. Was Yakuza on our list? It might games? have been. I definitely know it was on the short list for consideration. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, so and and there is a also a pinball table in your office, which you what? don't get to play... Like you, you unlock a certain thing and then it, it, it opens it up for play, but it's weird because when you go to play it, the mini game there is really good, but it also seems to be a separate executable. Like when you start it up, it loads a powered by Unity screen and then like the, the UI is completely different from the rest of the game. Huh. It's like, it, it seems to be in lower resolution, but it is really good. But yeah, I, I, I recommend it wholeheartedly. It's a lot of fun. I know it's getting good reviews cool um and we were talking about like the fact that it's the same city over and over although it mm-hmm. sounds like they've done a lot of work to expand yeah. upon that uh has pretty much enabled them to do one game per year <laughs> in this series for, mm-hmm. for several years now and but it's like so they're saving time on building the world but that enables them to have like 2,000 random side mini quests in this game. Oh, yes. So I'm assuming this is full of those, you know? I mean, uh, I've picked up a few. They they mostly seem to be in the form of like, you're a private detective, so you will pick up cases where you have to like stalk a, a husband whose wife is suspicious and uh, she wants to gather evidence for a divorce. Or uh, So there's a lot of tailing missions now of course. Oh, that have been added ooh, in. Um, they're more entertaining than... You, you know me, I'm no big fan of tailing missions. I, I feel like they're a little more entertaining here because... Well, they're a little bit shorter, but also like you have all these cover points that you can duck behind and, you know, you can kind of get a sense of like, okay, this guy's probably going to turn around in a minute. So I should duck behind this car mm-hmm. or behind this wall. Yeah. So, and, and then there, there are other tailing missions where you actually have a camera and you have to set up the perfect shot. Like, okay, now I have this, both this woman and this man in the shot and they are in front the hotel sign is clearly visible and they're clearly entering the hotel. Okay, snapped it. Perfect. No. Yeah. I feel kind of sleazy just listening to that. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do you ever feel a little bit sleazy private eye? In it's this a video or? game. Uh, <laughs> so no. <laughs> uh well, I mean, are there any uh, you know, mini games I think the I think six, the last one had the um the internet chat rooms with the girls. Does this um, have anything like that? Like I don't remember I, and then Yakuza Zero I, had like I know the video this has, thing. Yeah, I know that this has girlfriends. Okay. That, uh but I, I think it, it, it unlocks uh aspects of the game gradually. So I'm only at the point where you can make friends with people by doing little mini quests like, oh I spent Seven thousand yen at this Popo convenience store, and now I get a, an album, and I'm friends with the clerk. 
and or or like uh it's fucking shinry I, dude i like, have to go is... into this this restaurant and uh take a selfie where i'm smiling but i have to somehow earn an improved smile <laughs> This is so Shenmue. This uh-huh. is this cr- yeah, oh my yeah, god. Yeah. They're they're gonna out Shenmue Shenmue three. I think they already have. Uh, <laughs> Probably so by I this so point. Too. Who knows? Uh, so judgment. So not that you. I'm asking you to pass judgment, hmm. Michael. But I I enjoy what I've played very yeah. much. Uh, I will say, speaking of open world private eye games, it's not the only one to come out this week. Mm-hmm. The other one is the Sinking City, which is by Frogwares, the same people who make the the Sherlock Holmes games. Ah, okay. And I think this is their first open world game, and I've I've played this for like a couple of hours so far. It is really kind of striking, but it it's. It feels like a tongue-in-cheek approach to Lovecraft, where, like, so you, you're this private eye who's suffering from these strange dreams and madness, and you have these these odd powers that let you see things that aren't there, but that you, you, you use this to, to investigate and solve crimes. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're exploring this open world, and, like, early on, you... It, it takes place sometime after the shadow uh, or the the Innsmouth story that uh, Lovecraft did with mm-hmm. the deep ones mm-hmm. and everything. And you just meet these Innsmouth people and they look like just fucking monsters. But they're like, oh, you need to treat us humanely because we're refugees here and people don't like us because we've taken over the fishing trade. And But it, it kind of like presents these horrors as an almost mundane thing. And oh. and so like it's it's kind of cool it like i I remember an early preview kind of made it sound like a lovecraft theme park but it's like you can you can walk up and and interact with these strange people and uh weirdly enough one of my first thoughts was like dude these people never clean off their docks there's like rotting octopi everywhere (laughs) but the whole thing is that like no this city is recently been through a lot of flooding so it kind of makes sense i guess that there would be deceased sea life uh what makes less sense is that there were these things running around it's like i thought they were rats and then i was like no they're cats no they're not cats they're actually huge cockroach like creatures that are wearing cats as some sort of camouflage do you think do you think lovecraft stuff requires like a license uh i don't know what this definitely doesn't but I mean, this isn't the first time the Frogwares people have done Lovecraft. Like they did Sherlock Holmes: The Awakened, which was a crossover between Holmes and Lovecraft. I think I have one of those games. Was did they do Crime and Punishment? Or there, there was yes, a, yeah, okay. And if you if you bought the uh, the deluxe Ultimate Collector's Edition, whatever it's called, it actually comes with Crimes Crimes and Punishments, mm. and it came with. Uh, 48 hour early access so you could play it on Tuesday instead of Thursday when mm-hmm. everyone else got mm-hmm. it on If you buy the Ultra Deluxe Edition, you get Sense and Sensibility as well. Mm, yes, Sherlock Holmes Senses and Sensibilities. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's the game that gives Sherlock Holmes extra sensory perception. It's where Spider Sense came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. The Sinking City does sound like a Lovecraft story, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find it, but it, they, they're kind of no. Well, it, no, it's not a Lovecraft story. It's kind of more just like taking a bunch of Lovecraft's ideas and combining them into one open world that you can freely explore and mm-hmm. investigate. Again, gotcha. And it, it, it takes some things that I think come from Sherlock, the Sherlock games, like the Mind Palace, which is really just like you have this screen that collects all the clues that you've gathered and you can combine them to figure out exactly what happened. You know, speaking of games that have screens where you collect a bunch of things... Mm. 
Harry Potter, Wizards oh, Unite! I missed this one. You'll have to tell me. Uh, no, where's Cat? Who was going to tell us how much it sucked? <laughs> As Cat and I started to get into it at the beginning of the show, I um, I, I started playing Harry Potter. It came out last week, late last week. Um, about half half a day later, I uninstalled the game and said, What the fuck am I doing? Why am I wasting my time? Because... Most of the time, I can look past the fact that most mobile games are just busy work. Mm -hmm. But this game is a lot of busy work. Um, And here's the thing. So, like, Pokemon Go, at its core, you know, there's not much game there. You walk around. If you encounter a Pokemon, you tap on it. You throw some balls at it until you catch it. Great, you caught it. There's other stuff they've done now with raids and all that stuff. There's There's a lot more on its surface to this Harry Potter game in that there's, like, there's, like, 20 different currencies and there's like all like five different ways to collect things and all that but at the end of the day all it really is is you encounter stuff in the world some of the stuff you can just tap on and collect right away other stuff you encounter it and it makes you like trace out the path of a spell as if you're casting with your wand and if you do that well enough and if you're powerful enough you capture not a thing that goes in a pokeball it's a sticker for your sticker book because we all know sticker books Uh. were huge parts of harry Potter. here's the thing this is a franchise that now for the past few years has been focused on movies about what, Michael? Mm, uh, Johnny Depp. Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts and where to find yeah. them. Why didn't they just adapt that? Why didn't you just catch the Fantastic Beasts and put them in your fucking little Fantastic mm-hmm. Beast case? No, no, you get a sticker of that Fantastic Beast for your, oh, well. your magical sticker book. Can I make that sticker fight other stickers? Uh, no, you can't. Then who cares? <laughs> so, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm like, I, I, you, once you start to see through the, the mechanics and go, oh, that's their equivalent of the eggs that you can incubate in Pokemon by walking. They have their own little versions of that. And it's just like... Look, if you're a Harry Potter fan, there's a lot of fan service there, and and I did appreciate that. But I just was like, very quickly, I was like, no, I'm not doing one of these. I'm not doing another one of these. Right. We didn't even talk about the Ghostbusters one that came out. Oh, Jesus. So when you say Harry Potter fan service, I immediately have to Mm -mm. just interpret that Mm -mm. from an anime lens. (laughs) And so so how how often do we get to see Harry's cleavage? (laughs) (laughs) Is it Harry? I was just about to say, you got Harry right there in front of you. Yeah. Is Harry's cleavage Harry? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, uh, this, there's just a lot of references to Harry Potter stuff, which is fun. But, like, I feel like if you want to play one of those games, go play Pokemon Go. Uh, it's more charming. Like, it's fun catching little Pokemon. You kind of feel more investment there. Whereas the Harry Potter stuff just is like, eh, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I love Harry Potter, too. And that's a, it's, it's. It's not even disappointing because I'm like, yeah, I knew what this game was going to be. I'm more intrigued by the upcoming Minecraft one that was announced at E3 because that lets you, with your friends, create little Minecraft things and then post them in the real world for people to fuck with. Hmm. Which we all means is just giant dicks everywhere. Of course. That's all anyone will draw. That's my Patronus. Giant cock. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Expelliarmus. Mm. I don't want to know what happens when you say that. Uh, (laughs) Still holding on hope for an It Follows AR game. (laughs) Yeah, so, so, you know, Harry Potter Wizards Unite, I'd say if you're a super Harry Potter fan, check it out. You might like it if you're not already into uh, Pokemon Go, but otherwise it's just another one of those, and I think Pokemon Go kind of does it better. Hmm. Um, well, also at this week's Samurai Showdown, yeah, it's kind of a surprise. What? It's a oh, fuck. It's a really good looking 
3D Samurai Showdown. It plays really well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it is much, much better than the last Samurai Showdown game, Samurai Showdown Sen, which all I can remember of that is close-ups of uh, halves of the characters falling over, although you do get to do that quite a bit in this. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a Samurai Showdown game. If you end a fight with like a heavy slash, your opponent will fall apart in two pieces i heard it's a it's a like a slower paced fighting game like it's 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 a little bit slower paced it's um i mean like you can you can play like a shithead like me Mm. which is the the way that i've been playing since the first game came out which is i will just jump straight into action as like haomaru or uh haomaru or um any other character and just bang on heavy slash and uh i love that you corrected yourself as if i was gonna catch that and be like michael i just remembered like no that was how they pronounce it in the shitty dub of the shitty anime from the 90s brother how maru like oh god no um but yeah i i will just slash the shit out of other characters which i'm sure will not fly at all if i try to take this online uh fortunately (laughs) there there is a whole system of like not reversals but that like there are moves that you can do that will uh if they connect knock your opponent's sword out out of their hands and it's kind of a hassle to to collect it, I I might have preferred the original games. Like, oh, if you just manage to do the same move at the same time, like you're locked into like this contest Hell where you yeah. have to mash buttons, and then the loser loses their sword. But whatever, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was reading the IGN review, and like they they made it seem like there's a heavy emphasis on trying to guess your opponent's moves mm-hmm. and punish. Uh, mistakes every time you see an opening you can just and there are moments like that even playing against the computer like oh i spotted an opening now i get to slash at you yeah but i think you and i were talking about like neither one of us really has the time to invest in fighting games to learn opponents moves to To get get good good and engage with those systems Uh, i mean and there is an arcade mode but it is like you you get an intro you get like a little face off with your opponent and then you get to go on and fight a boss that uh True to form for SNK games, uh, the rest of the fights do not prepare you at all for the level of difficulty and cheap uh, attacks that you will face. No boy. But overcome it and you'll get an ending, and you can do that for every character. Which, uh, I mean, it's a little unfortunate. Games like Mortal Kombat 11 have, have kind of set the bar for mm. having excellent story modes, and so mm. now I feel like every fighting game that comes out, like, that's all we used to get, was arcade modes that would maybe have a cutscene at the end, and you're like, oh good, Guile's reunited with his family yeah. or whatever it is but now it's like no you need like a robust story mode involving multiple characters and <laughs> great you know. shank song is dancing with mikhail gorbachev <laughs> <laughs> which by the way i played the shang Tsung dlc and uh carry here yuki tagawa is great yeah yeah it's awesome mm-hmm. so yeah so that's oh, the I thing is it's an ar- just having an arcade mode kind of makes it sound bare bones you know it's like i'm sure it has online multiplayer. it does have online it has like a practice mode a dojo uh, uh-huh. different the survival mode do. typically is another one probably in games. Yeah. i didn't explore yeah. it as much as i could have because i was a, also playing a, judgment is this a 60 dollar product or yes 40? okay it is sixty dollars. I think you get like some some DLC free with it, and then there are additional DLC characters that you can download. Like, of course, there are. It's fighting game. like Basara and Rimururu and <laughs> all those fun characters. It's that Rimururu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on, that's a Whistle Tips reference from way <laughs> yeah, back yeah, in the I know, day. I know. I know. <laughs> remember, I remember Bub Rub. Come on. <laughs> what about Crash Team Racing Nitro Fuel? Did you? Uh, uh... I haven't played it, but I have seen a bunch of videos online. And... Oh. People saying it. Has, I, I has never played that game, and apparently it's it's massive. Mm. 
That's all I got. Yeah, because I w- I won't play it. Yeah, I think I think it's having some issues, but uh, you know, reception seems positive otherwise. Hmm. And then the final game that's coming out by the time you hear the show would be mm. out, and that is Super Mario Maker Two. I can't wait to make some Mario's. Yes, of I course. can't wait to buy this mm-hmm. game in the first sale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, because it's a Nintendo game, that will be a few years from now. So. I know, but but did anybody else buy Super Mario Wii U Deluxe Day One? No. Yeah, still not done with that one. That's the that's the more refined single player Mario game. Mm-hmm. Newsflash: I make like nine things a week for people. None of them are going to be Mario levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, as a person who never engages with the creation suites of any of these games. I tell myself, certainly I'll do it this time. No, I it, it, this, I know this about myself now after probably the second Little Big Planet. I said, oh, that's great in theory. I'm not going to do that. I just want to play other people's levels and, and kind of play their creativity. I don't know if that's enough to for me to buy a game like this, just playing other people's levels. And I didn't play the first Mario Maker game because I don't I own did. a, I played a, didn't own a I, Wii U. I think from what I've read that Mario Maker 2 actually has like more of a single-player experience that teaches you how to use the, mode, mm-hmm, the level generator. A, a gross misinterpretation of what the game needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they just they had this like uh, 100 Mario run where you could like run into a bunch of randomly created levels. But now at least they're all made by Nintendo with a story. Mm-hmm. Never needed a story, just needed... I want to play Mario Mario yeah. levels made by Nintendo. Yeah, you, yeah, you want more of a curated approach. Uh, what it doesn't have, at least in North America, a stylus that other regions are getting, which apparently huh. it needs. Because, really? Well, you know the touchscreen on on the Switch is uh, is it capacitive? Is, is the Switch mm-hmm. one, for, and so it's harder to uh, to fine tune those little placements. Uh, whereas other regions get a stylus, and so it's easier for them to kind of design those levels. I'm just going to use it's a controller reading like reviews that like. This is like it's it's one of the best game maker tools of all time, mm-hmm. but it's the first Mario Maker with no second screen. Yeah, mm. right. Which is which is tragic. I, I, again, I wish the we I wish the Switch could adjust to like making the tablet a second screen. That would be interesting. Yeah, maybe that'll be a feature in the the Switch redesign. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. We don't have a cradle, only a, a cable that uh, connects directly to the TV, so that you can. Uh, what about a cradle? A we cradle. Can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is that so... a cross between a crab and a ladle? No, not at all. <laughs> you just wish something to be on YouTube, like right now. <laughs> yeah, guarantee. So that's all the new releases this week. Oh, then in that case, it's time to transition into. You know, it's funny we talk about Judgment and Yakuza games because the Yakuza series producer Daisuke Sato, he is uh, he basically did an interview where he said that... Um, Yakuza Kinzan is ripe for a Kiwami remake. Uh, Kinzan, if you'll recall, is the samurai Yakuza games. Those are the ones based in, like, feudal Japan. So 
I'm totally here for it because that's the one that like I hear about. And again, uh, you know, not that we're recent converts to Yakuza. We've been championing the series from the beginning. Sure, yes. We're just waiting for the Kinzen games to come to get their Kiwami remakes, the long overdue. So we are super mm. excited about this. You know, I actually did play Yakuza originally on PS2, mm-hmm. uh, but what killed my interest in it was like the load times were insane. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really admire that the series has, has managed to completely conquer that. I bought every I bought every game in that series, and I only started playing them recently. You know, I am a recent Yakuza convert, and mm-hmm. so I, you know, once I started getting into these games, when I learned that there were these like odd samurai spinoffs, I was mm-hmm. like, "Now this is interesting." It's like that use the same characters just as if they've been transported in time, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think in that like the there the Kenzon version of Kazuma Kiryu is actually like Miyamoto Musashi, the the yeah, famous samurai. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, dude, I'm here for it. I would love to play that game. So please do, Sega. Mm. Please make Kiwami versions of those games. In another Japanese series, uh, Hidetaki Miyazaki revealed a few more details about Elden Ring. Basically, um, he revealed... So this one has... It, it kind of seems more like a progression of where Dark Souls was headed before they kind of took the detour with Bloodborne and Sekiro. This is more open world into the point where you're going to be you can actually ride a horse around the world and attack enemies from the horse. He also clarified Is the horse also undead? Probably. He also clarified George R. R. Martin's involvement. So if, when you when you hear what I'm about to tell you, you'll, you'll it'll make perfect sense considering this is a Dark Souls-like game. But he says George R. R. Martin isn't writing like a narrative main story. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, rather, I know that. Rather he's focused on the mythos surrounding the game. Huh. Because then he went on to say, well, the way we tell our stories in our games, we don't like to limit the writers. He's more talking and setting up the universe through things you find in the environment. I'm like, yes, this is how you tell all the stories in all the Dark Souls games. So he is your writer. It's just how you guys choose to write stories. He's not. There's no like main narrative or anything like that. So, yeah, George R. R. Martin is now writing item descriptions. That's, that's really what he's doing. Anything to not write Game of Thrones. <laughs> I think that that book six is eleven thousand pages long. It's there's no end in sight. Yeah, that so the, yeah, Elden Ring of course announced that E three uh, is shaping up. Sounds really cool. I can't wait to play it. In another bit of news, we were talking about Sekiro inaccessibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Tisserand, who I think must might work for Ubisoft, but he, he came out there with some statistics about subtitle usage in Ubisoft really games, cool. and they might shock you. Um, so after the 2018 edition of Assassin's Creed, 60% of Origins players played with subtitles turned on. Uh, David Tisserand, base, uh, by the way, is the accessibility project manager at Ubisoft, okay. according to uh, his LinkedIn. Okay. Michael's best friend. That's who Sure. He, yeah. Uh, so then he said, so that was, that was 60% in 2018, Assassin's Creed. Far Cry New Dawn booted with the subtitles on by default. 97% of players didn't turn them off. They just left them huh. on. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey booted with them on. 95% of players didn't turn them off. Uh, the Division game, two booted with subtitles off by default. So uh, 75% of players turned them on at least once. 50% of players still have them on at the time of his writing this, which was just a day ago. Hmm, uh, well, cool. earlier this week. This is the thing I want to talk about forever, by the way. So, So he's basically out there just saying like, 
And I, I've said this on this show several times. Accessibility is a thing that more developers need to spend more time and focus mm-hmm. on. And I've been a huge convert to like subtitles in games. I've been, yeah. I've been playing games with subtitles on for years. Here's, I mean, my reason is very specific. I play mostly at night when my family's all asleep and in bed. And so I can't play it super loud. And so mm. I will have the subtitles on so I can hear the dialogue. That's and why I have it. I, I I do the headphones, but I also record a podcast every week. I don't I don't like to have my head. I, yeah, but, recording but, but an but editing podcast. Like, I'm in headphones. I, I live alone, and I have a a big TV and a surround sound system. And I was playing a game the other day, and it's just like my head was turned in this direction, meaning the sounds coming out of the left back channel that I'm not near, mm-hmm. so I don't hear anything. Huh. That's uh. Another thing that I didn't mention about Judgment is uh, you will frequently be in in first-person investigative scenes where you will investigate an area, and there is a cat in every single one of those scenes, and you'll get, like, five bonus XP for spotting it. And the way that you spot it is by listening for the directional sound. Oh, so you better have your headphones on Mm -hmm. or have a surround sound system. Yeah, exactly. It's a compromise I I won't adjust, and, and... But uh, subtitles help me pay attention more. And to my knowledge, I I remember Assassin's Creed, like, Brotherhood putting them on by default Mm. and not changing them. Like, oh, I don't know. Because I I don't like to watch subtitles for movies unless um, the original language is not English. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's live action animation. You should be do your job. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, anyway, sorry. Dubs over. No, but yeah, basically, you know, he's just saying, like, this is something. Look a huge percentage of players left them on when they were default, which either is speaking more to just the laziness of those players or the fact that they kind of realized, hey, this is sort of nice. I can well, actually see what's being said here without having to strain and listen. With yeah. Assassin's Creed, I learned pretty early on, you always leave the subtitles on because they will say things in whatever whatever original language they're supposed to be speaking that are untranslated unless you have the subtitles mm-hmm. on and then you can see the translations. Yes, yeah, I've been experiencing that for years. And I was I was I said earlier I was playing Metro Exodus and I've played all the other Metro games and I hate how slow starter they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been years since we've been in the Metro. Like I don't care. Start the game. <laughs> Look how sad we are here in the Metro. There's so much radiation. Yeah, it's like I already knew that, and so the the the, the latest Bullets game, you turn money. the subtitles on, and you don't have to wait around. Like you, you can walk away from people, like where you can't hear them. But Arteon, the subtitles don't you walk up. away from me? Why you walk away from me? He walk so, away from me every time, but he reads subtitles, so he fine. <laughs> but but like yeah, being like if the story is that important, I should be able to move forward with the gameplay, and uh, I can still read what's happening as I'm walking through nothing. Mm-hmm. And it sped up the beginning of a Metro game of a thousand percent to me. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I ran into the same thing in Judgment, actually. Like, I realized after an hour or two, it's like, oh, I've had subtitles on this whole time, and it's dubbed. Yep. And it's it's a great dub job, by the way, but do, do I want to turn them off? Well, no, because I can read ahead of what the characters are saying yeah. and skip to the next line. Yeah, I've been doing that for years. Yeah. But, I mean, so that's, that's for people who don't have disabilities. I guess my mm-hmm. point is just like, hey... I think we've reached the point where it's like it should be a given that you're putting accessibility options in your game or dedicating some time because having subtitles is just the beginning. I went to a GDC talk a few years ago where they talk about there are actually things you can do with your subtitles to make it even more accessible. They have so for example like some lettering unless you have a background behind it is still difficult for some people to read you know when it's just Mm -hmm. there against the screen of the game so 
There's things like that. You can do high contrast modes, which make them easier to read. These are all, you know, I'm not a game developer who doesn't actually do the design of these things, but my understanding is once you've taken the time to do subtitles, these kind of additional accessibility options, they're kind of lower hanging fruit. They don't take as much time to, to just add these things in and, again, make your game more accessible for people, which is really needed. Let's 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 do it. You know, and there's organizations like Able Gamers out there that will give you consultations on how to make your games more accessible, and I think it's super important. And this thread just sort of revealed that. It, it's I hate I hate it with uh, TV shows that are in English. Mm-hmm. I, I I hate I have a bunch of old friends who have subtitles on for everything because they refuse to turn their volume up. Like I buy a subwoofer, so I ruin my neighbor's life. <laughs> like that that's the whole point. And but. But uh, for games, like instantly when there's a cutscene, my my, my my predilection is to pull out my phone mm. and start checking shit, mm-hmm. uh, and and that that changes it. And like subtitles yeah. engage me in games, just like I swear, even if it's like ten percent more, it's worth doing. Yeah, and there's there's no downside. Anyone, especially when you can turn them off whenever you want. Now, sometimes it, I, I will admit it can be distracting from the visuals. If you're sitting there having to, you know, you're, you will, your your eyes will get drawn to it and you will yeah. read the dialogue. That's why I don't like them. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, you know, if you need them, great. Yeah, I just wish more I'm developers. I'm not against reading. I like to read. <laughs> it's just more, I like composition of film and stuff. But odds are, in an Assassin's Creed game, I've seen whatever they're showing. Mm. I don't need to see this again. Mm-hmm. I can read it and move on with my day. Well, I hope the industry continues to focus on accessibility, which who knows if any of this matter because who knows if any of us will be playing the next generation of consoles because the Trump tariffs are probably going to make those consoles more expensive to the point that Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo joined forces. The superpowers uh, wrote a letter just explaining how bad these tariffs could be for the industry. You remember back when I, when I said back in 2016, if you want a new TV, buy it now. Mm-hmm. Things are going to get It won't bad. matter to these fucking weirdos and idiots and these cult members. I, I remember I made that, that joke. I, I put this video up of Donald Trump in France with a marching band playing Daft Punk songs, and he is miserable. <laughs> he, he couldn't even like like put on a smile like... Uh, like, and, and the comments were like, you know what? Daft Punk sucks, and so do marching bands, and I hate France. And like, how many things do you cut out to justify <laughs> this man's existence? Yeah. How many things do you claim to hate? And now, Reddit, we're getting to video games. Mm. How many ways do you support this asshole with his stupid tariff measures, which have no proven method of success, period, mm-hmm. uh, which is something he ran on, but he didn't know how anything worked. <laughs> Um, and, and now since most, most, almost all, every component of a console is assembled in China. Am I right? Uh, yeah. Well, to the point, actually recently, I think Nintendo has already been moving some of their operations out of China, just kind right. of planning yeah. for this. Um, also Taiwan and Thailand. Like mm-hmm. you'd be surprised how many like hard drives are made in Thailand. Mm-hmm. It's true. Not, not, not to get too hard political. Like you need to make a list. What has this guy done for you? And what has he taken away from you? Mm-hmm. Like, now you have to think about migrant children dying at the border. You never had to think about that before. <laughs> and now your games are going to be more expensive. And I know to some of you, 
that's that just hit a big red flag. <laughs> well, so so here's make a list. here's how they worded it, which is in a probably a nicer way that hopefully would make some traction with Joseph Barloon, uh, the general counsel of the office of the, of the United States Trade Representative. Uh, they wrote a seven page letter, and they're quoted as saying, "While we appreciate the administration's efforts to protect U.S. intellectual property and preserve U.S. high tech leadership, the disproportionate harm caused by these tariffs to U.S. consumers and business will undermine, not advance, these goals." It states that tariffs are going to injure consumers, video game developers, retailers, and console manufacturers, put thousands of high-value, rewarding jobs at risk, and stifle innovation in our industry and beyond. They're not really mincing words there. That's, uh, yeah, that, those are the three think console makers the, saying, hey. The reason you put tar- tariffs on something is because you want to put it on a more competitive footing with American right. products, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. local yeah, products. I want like, so, Tommy Tallarico's ColecoVision yeah. to succeed. Therefore, I'll punish Nintendo and PlayStation. Or, you know, pe- people are buying Chinese steel, and it's much cheaper than American steel, so let's impose tariffs so that they have to pay the same, and then they'll buy American steel instead. Mm-hmm. But, like, who else is making these components? That's not protectionism. It's it's just, let's punish China arbitrarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it couldn't be a worse but you're time. you're not punishing China. You're punishing people who are buying consoles. Yeah, the, the people aren't going to get consoles from Mexico or Canada. Mm. They're going to get them from China, and you're going to cost... They, they put the price tag of $540 million more a yeah. year? I mean, so that's the thing. It couldn't come at a worse time when uh, two, at least two, of the major console makers want to push out new consoles next year with the PS5 and Project Scarlet. That's what that's what's fucked up about it. It's a twenty five percent tariff. So like, if the consoles are going to launch at four hundred, it puts them into PS3 territory. Yeah, yeah, five hundred ninety nine US dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's bad. Hopefully, that will get worked out mm-hmm. before yeah. before. Don't the vote for this guy again. Next. For real, that's a video game apocalypse uh, lock of the week. Sure. <laughs> I'll endorse this statement. And that is all the news that is fit to play. Thank God. Uh, let's move on to the community segment, which as always is segmenting, segmenting our community. community. Um, uh, last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was which E3 game are you most excited about? Cat? Oh, wait, you're not here. Uh, oh. So the first responder on VigilGameApocalypse.com was Laser Time Rules, who said, I'm definitely excited for the Final Fantasy VII Remake, but have no faith it'll be released next March. No More Heroes 3 and a Breath of the Wild sequel surprised me, and the reveal of the Link's Awakening Dungeon Maker has me excited. That, that was that was weird icing on that cake, but uh, man, I was already in for Link's Awakening. Yeah, Link's Awakening looks great. Yeah. Well, this this makes more sense now that I've learned how to pronounce it. Neon Genesis Evan Garfield says, "No, no, it's jelly. It's, it's jelly. Evan Evan Jarfield. Evan Jarfield. Yeah." <laughs> says, "Big ups to Elden uh, Ring. We had a title, we had a logo, but I didn't expect a trailer so soon. FromSoft can take as much time as they need with this one. Sekiro was great. It was. It made our top five of the year yes, so far. It did. But I'm excited to see them back at their many weaponed, build based dark fantasy RPGs. And if George took time away from Thrones to build this world, I'm sure it's something we haven't seen before. Look, you're not on a first name basis. It's not George. It's George R R. He prefers yeah. to be yeah. called George R. It's double R or George Rape Rape Martin. <laughs> Or Grrm. <laughs> uh, Lambert is dead. Uh, Louis, I'm with you. Luigi's Mansion 3, 
is for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was a fairly short and easy tech demo, and the second sacrificed the open Metroidvania exploration elements by cutting the game up into levels, probably down to the memory issues of 3DS. But the series has always uh, had buckets of charm and uh, been lovingly produced. The talk from producers to flesh out the puzzles and boss fights seem like they've na- uh, nailed down probably the main thing that stopped the series from getting more attention. They showed a lot of big, ambitious titles at E3, and you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, any other game show shown this year uh, which showed so much expression of character uh, in the animation of their spineless, cowering main protagonist. Keanu's fine and all, uh, but uh, has he ever spent the entire first level snot-nosed and crying? Red-eyed and shitting himself in the corner out of terror. I don't know. Did you watch Dr- Bram Stoker's Dracula? <laughs> I was here at Westminster Abbey. He was in like a foursome with like female vampires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and his awful. hair turned. Uh, but 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 he but like seriously, I in, in terms of game title history, I don't know of an, a more most improved game than Luis Mansion One to Two. Mm. And oh. Luis, I, I love Dark Moon. And uh, three, I'm so excited for it. I lo- I've loved so both. Good. Yeah, for me, it's it's weird to see him say this overlooked franchise. I don't, I don't know that it's ever been overlooked by consumers because every everyone I've ever talked to about Luigi's Mansion, they love it. It's just it maybe overlooked more by Nintendo. The fact that they haven't done more of these games, mm. uh, although maybe it's you know, they maybe they've done the right amount. Like it's they they wait just long enough where we're like, you know what I could use another one of is Luigi's Mansion. And you know, it shouldn't have been a series. And I, I I love I love saying that unequivocally. If you pick up a GameCube controller, it makes no sense. I know you like Smash Melee a lot, but when you play Luigi's Mansion, I'm like oh, this is this whole system was designed around this controller. <laughs> mm-hmm. This one game, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. the only thing it really works for. Yeah, <laughs> you know what's funny is if. Uh, Ghostbusters, the video game, was Ghostbusters 3, like the real Ghostbusters 3. Mm. Luigi's Mansion is. is the real Ghostbusters video game because the controls and the ghost, you know, catching in that game has always felt really good and really, yeah. it's, it's exactly how I would imagine a proton pack to feel like wrangling those ghosts. It mm-hmm. feels excellent. It's so weird because that game is terrible in so many ways. Most strikingly because it, it, it decided to look like the Ghostbusters movie, which is like filled with a series of browns mm. and that's about it and mm-hmm. nailing capturing a ghost is what one of the things that the game did really well mm. and i can't wait for it to be re-released because like that is ghostbusters 3 for me i that have i have lots done. of ghostbusters the game stories because i worked on that which maybe i will appear on the patreon exclusive 30 2010 recap what? show to tell Ooh. you some of those okay all right well, in the meantime, Josh Shoop, a.k.a. at Shite Pod- Former guest Josh Shoop. Ah, yes. At Shite Podcaster on Twitter says... <laughs> I thought you said Shite Punt. I'm like, <laughs> shite past tense poop kick? <laughs> no, <laughs> shite, shite Podcaster. That's how the British say poop kick. I'm, I'm a little drunk. I'm five beers in. Oh, look uh, who you're talking to. It's yeah, one in the morning. I know. Uh, he says, everybody talks about Final Fantasy VII, and don't get me wrong... I was there the first time it came out, and it is one of the greatest games ever made. But the right answer is Final Fantasy VIII yes! Remastered. Yes! It, I feel like that game gets too much heat from people, and I don't understand why. Because it's bad. It's not bad. It's really good. <laughs> it just followed up Final Fantasy VII. The draw system is not as bad as T.L. Foster would have you believe. You uh-huh. heard me, T.L. I said that shit. Eh. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, at peak 37 PT, maybe 37 point, says, 
Telling Lies. Her story was fantastic and a unique playing experience, so having that format expand with a great cast and bigger story sounds exciting. Did you guys see the Telling Lies presentation during the PC game? Telling Lies? (laughs) No, Papa. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know that. I'm a dad. I get it. Uh, Johnny, Johnny. Yes, uh, telling, so did you see the Telling Laws pre- presentation during the PC Gamer? No. Uh, it's so you, you played her story, right? The Google murder mystery game? I'm familiar with it. Yeah. The AIM murder mystery story. Mm-hmm. So you, um, this is just an expanded version of that with many more people on video doing things. Uh, it looks really fucking cool as, as a fan of her story. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I wish more people were talking about it, actually. Yes! Newbie One says, uh, gotta be honest, it's not Cyberpunk 2077, but Link's Awakening. I mm. played the original so much on my uh, OG Game Boy back in the day, and I love how the new one looks. I hope they decide to do uh, the Seasons games in the style, too. Oh, man, that would be Ooh. so awesome. Do the Seasons games as DLC. They haven't ma- remade any of the Zelda games made by another pup, another developer. Though. That's true. We're still waiting on the ones from uh, from Phillips with CDI. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> but but I, I, one. I love the new art style for Link's Awakening. It is so adorable. Did you see the demo at E3, what they did? What they do? So the, the, the demo stations were kind of all around the central diorama. So they mm-hmm. had like four dioramas that were basically like the little plasticky looking Link and in the worlds of Zelda. Um, which it was hard to notice at first and you got up close and it was so adorable because that game does look like these little like plastic figures come to life. Yeah, well, it's like, what does that look like? And it, I just realized it looks like those little Fisher Price people. Yeah. Yeah. The little people, they have the Playmobil, they have their own movie now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with the the famous song, everything is okay. Everything is fine. Yeah, yeah everything's just fine. Yeah. Everything everything's is mediocre. Your parents can't afford all the things that you want. <laughs> everything is average. Um, from the official Laser Time Facebook community, Jesse Moore says that Star Wars game looks dope as fuck. It's pretty dope. Hearing that it is a Metroidvania slash Castle Troid. Makes me even more excited. That's a smart move. Maybe certain force powers open up places or the gadgets and stuff Matt mentioned on the show. The freezing blaster bolts and yanking stormtroopers into them is sick. I can't wait. Oh, and also Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing, okay. Fucking Animal Crossing. I just love that he used the phrase we coined Castle Troyd. <laughs> We didn't coin that. We coined that. Metro- no, we didn't. That Metroidvania's been around. Castle Troid is I've, us. I've heard Castle Troid before. No. It's Jeremy Parrish has said it. Uh, Bob Henson says, The unlikeliest game that I'm excited for is definitely the Dark Crystal Tactics RPG. Mm. It's a strange movie, to say the least, that doesn't usually get the love that Labyrinth does. Because it's not as good. But... That that Netflix new Netflix trailer looks amazing. Yeah, I think the game is based on the Netflix series. It is. The game yeah. is based on the Netflix series. Um, so he says, yeah, it's it's probably that movie doesn't get love because it's off putting. Seems to have no interest in helping the viewer get into it. So it's awesome that we're getting a Netflix series and game this year. I actually ran into a, fe- a former coworker at E3 who now works for Netflix doing those games, like huh. uh, you know that. 
they're, the game's tied into their series. So. I, I ran into a former coworker who's now the PR lead on the the ah, Dark Crystal game, interesting. and also the Blair Witch game. And he confused me by like we were talking about Blair Witch and and also Dark Crystal, but then he mentioned the Netflix series, and I thought like Blair Witch has a Netflix. I series? think I know who you mean, and we'll give mm-hmm. him a shout out, Scotty Too Hotty, yeah, Scott Fry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out. Yeah, fun fact: the Dark Crystal was uh, totally shot with. In a different language, a, a, a created language, <laughs> mm. oh, yeah. which was Jim Henson, like sort of like with a raging heart on to prove like, no, I'm not just the Muppets. And it's it, it, it ruined it, it like it ruined people's careers. It had to all be reshot. And it's all because Jim Henson like wanted to prove so hard he was more than the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I make a movie with Muppets. You are, but you didn't need to do this. These Muppets are on stilts. It falls into that weird 80s kids entertainment which was more about trying to scare kids yeah like I, that's or? actually something i really miss is that like the 80s fantasy genre that had like all those creepy like stop motion like time bandits animation. remember the monsters in time bandits they would oh god terrifying yeah, they strip that one bad skex he's mm, and I, I just watched the last unicorn which is one of my favorite mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pieces of the 80s which is all just horrifying wall to wall but all little girls love it Mm-hmm. Where were you when I was new? Yeah. <laughs> to this day, though, Dark Crystal, just the, the design, not of the bad guys, but of the good guys, is so off-putting. I just can't yeah, that, that, that scene with the Skeksis crumbling in that first act, like, oh, God, that traumatized me so hard yeah. as a kid. Jim, Jim Henson did not give a fuck about scaring kids. Oh, no. He's like, no, it's, yep. it's good for them. No, no, kids love to be scared. Yeah, they need, they need a little fear put into them. I sound like Ray Romano. <laughs> I'm a true artist. Watch me fuck my mistress. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Dude, you can't scare kids like that. Yeah, we can. <laughs> now you're just full venture brothers. Yeah. I know. They're mammals. They're mammals. They're Skeksis. <laughs> I'd suggest an egg laying species. <laughs> 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 All right, we're getting way off topic. That's, I apologize. People love it. We got more comments on last week's episode. Yes. Uh, they love the off topic and the dick talk. There was a lot of dick talk on last mm. week's episode. The, the people who respond love it. The people who never talk to us again. Which is <laughs> <laughs> most of them, I imagine, at this point. <laughs> All right. Um, Where the fuck were we? Rebecca Swift says, I'm most excited for 12 minutes from Annapurna Interactive because they are the people who brought us What Remains of Edith Finch, which I played recently for the first time and loved, and more recently, Outer Wilds. My second pick is Way to the Woods because it looks fucking adorable, even though I know next to nothing about it. I can't stop thinking about the feels slash memories of the original Life is Strange because Mysterious Magical Deer. It gave me watching the trailer at the Xbox press event. It, uh, have you guys seen the trailer? Yes. It looks like a Bambi simulator. Yeah. It's like Bambi, but his mom's still alive. Hmm. I think they're walking. It's it's a mother deer, and, and he's her... not a gay boy deer. Hmm. Oh. Okay. all right. <laughs> they really fucking bombed. Yeah. No, I no, I guess you, you, I think you stopped Michael and I both in our tracks, and we we're like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. Uh, his best friend is named Flower. Yeah, sure, uh, Bambi. Not? Bambi is the most. Uh, uh, I thought it was the most embraced movie by the gay community. Now <laughs> I get that line when he says, "That's why they call me fucker. I like to fuck." Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why they call me Fister. You can fist me if you want. <laughs> you can call me Fister. Just kidding. Want. Lesbians can fist. 
They love it. <laughs> I don't sure. know that I can keep any of that in there. At this mm-hmm. point. I they love it. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 12 Minutes looks interesting. Uh, another Groundhog Day game where you're mm-hmm. repeating the same 12 minutes, I guess, over and over again. Mm-hmm. And like trying to trying to change the outcome. But I watched yeah. that trailer like... Why would you stand there or sit there talking to your wife about like this has all happened before? This is this is a baby onesie. A man's going to come through that door any minute. You have to help me. T- tell me what happened. And why wouldn't you just leave? Just fucking leave. <laughs> like grab My, your wife and go. Yes. Like let's go out the fire escape right now. Uh-huh. Good point. Yeah. Damn it. All right. Fine. Just ruin the premise of the game before it even. Yes, comes out. I will by pointing out simple flaws in logic. Fine. <laughs> All right. We got some video responses. I killed everything. Um, yes, we do have video responses. First from Micah Mari. Hello, VGA crew. Micah Mari here with the question of the week. Question of the week, of course, was which game are you most hyped for coming out of E3 this year? Uh, it's interesting because this year's E3 was a pretty big event, um, despite everyone saying how dead it is. There were a lot there that I liked. Uh, Bethesda came out pretty strong with, you know, the new Wolfenstein coming out, the new Doom coming out. Doom Eternal looks amazing. And, of course, as I'm a big shooter fan, uh, Microsoft's offering of Gears of War 5 is something I'm looking forward to. Um, it's interesting then that the thing I'm most hyped of coming out of E3 is not so much a game so much as it is uh, the kind of ethos of games as service that's coming out of it this year it seems to really be coming into its own now games of service is something that microsoft has been pushing for a long time i've been there since day one with xbox live back in 2002 and i remember it really kind of shifting the landscape in a pretty big way and microsoft has been doing a good job of that going forward yeah the messaging with xbox one was terrible when it first came out but the work they've been doing especially under phil spencer has been just phenomenal they've pretty much been quietly putting in features and making services that everyone else now wants to copy. Game Pass alone has been one of the best deals and one of the best ways for, you know, publishers' games to get noticed. I would love to see what the kind of financial aspect is of that, but it's got to be great for smaller games that people, you know, need to get noticed. Uh, Coupling that with their announcement of xCloud, which we haven't seen anything yet, and I'm hoping it's something similar to what Stadia is going to be offering. Uh, I know there's problems with bandwidth caps and internet service and everything, but as we've seen with Xbox Lives and the live and online playing digital storefronts, it's coming to its own. So I see it only as a matter of time before things like streaming games the way we stream video being a normal thing. And seeing just how much of a push there is behind it and seeing the work continue for backwards compatibility really makes me excited to see what the next generation of consoles is going to look like. And it really makes me excited for what's going to happen next year at E3. Uh, I want to thank you guys again for listening to me. If you guys are interested in seeing these videos, you can always find them on the Laser Time community. I post them under the episodes each week. Uh, you can also find them on the YouTube channel Off Target. Thank you again, guys. Look forward to spending time with you again next week. Mike getting his own plug section in there at the end. I like that. <laughs> and and uh, Full Install has this to say. Hello, VGA. It's Tom here again from YouTube channel Full Install. Uh, apologies for the length of my last video. I was uh, waffling on talking bollocks as usual. A response to the latest community question, okay. which game from E3 are we looking forward to the most? Uh, I mean, of course, Cyberpunk, but I've been hyped for that when it was just a screenshot. Um, and yes, Keanu Reeves does make everything better, but I kind of feel like now when I think about Cyberpunk, I just think about Keanu Reeves. I don't think about that 45-minute gameplay footage we got last time. I just think about Keanu Reeves and his hair. So in a way, he's kind of overshadowed the whole game by just making it <laughs> his hair. him, which is awesome still because fucking Keanu Reeves. But um, sure. yeah, I'm, I'm hyped for that regardless of E3. So 
Anyway, my top E3 pick, did you see a little indie game sneak its way out called Genesis Noir? Mm-hmm. This is one of those rare times where I see a trailer for a game and I think, I have absolutely no idea what that game's about. It seems to take place before, during, and after the Big Bang, but it's all done through metaphors of the Big Bang, like the shot from a pistol. It's got this really awesome, stylized-looking film noir setting where it's all black backgrounds with white lines for drawings, you know, very sort of chalkboardy style. But I don't know what I don't know what genre it is. Is it an adventure game? Is it a simulator? Because you can you seem to be able to grow foliage or something. It kind of seems point and click. It it's the game that's got me intrigued the most to play because I have absolutely no idea what it's about. Uh, but it just looks awesome as well. You can tell it's a complete labour of love, and it's the it's a game that has had no restrictions on it. It's the game that someone really wanted to make, and uh, that's the kind of game I like. So my my choice for E3 is uh, Genesis Noir. You have to check out the trailer if you haven't seen it because yeah, it looks bonkers. Cheers. Catch you next week. Thanks, everyone who responded. Yeah, I did see that trailer. It was uh, featured in the PC Gamer Show where I was showing a trailer for a game I'm working on, Remnant from the Ashes. Yeah, Genesis Noir looks very cool. Uh, it is like a... It's an, I think it's... He was asking what kind of game it is. It's an adventure game where you are there to stop the Big Bang to save your love. So. Hmm. But the graphical style and stuff, it's just... Yeah, it's very unique looking game looks really cool you have to go back in time and kill jim parsons <laughs> <laughs> oh i was trying to think of his, his infamous catchphrase bazinga ah. like again i'm so out of touch with whatever that is does he say that oh yeah that's like a real thing yeah i mean they they sell t-shirts with it so i have to assume mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah but you don't know how to, michael say bazinga how jim parsons does uh bazinga <laughs> See, I've never watched no that show. Idea. I don't care. <laughs> I'll do Bazinga. That's uh, that's. I don't know. Uh, no idea. Sure, Cam Basinger. <laughs> Are you plugging thirty twenty ten this week? Talking about Batman nineteen. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for giving the plug yeah. segment so early. Uh, well, we should we should get the next question of the week out of the way before yeah. we move on to plugs. Uh, what's your personal? game of the year so far uh i'm just going to reiterate what i said earlier uh the game that didn't make it in days gone i fucking love that thing it is it feels like post-apocalyptic biker red dead redemption that's what it really wants to be uh i cat might think it's boring but i think that that world is endlessly fun to explore i like hunting down the zombie horse it's cat and reviewers yeah, she's sure. not alone in that opinion. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a widespread opinion, but this is a, one of the few games that I've played this year that just grabbed me and does not let go. Uh, it, it's it's just endlessly addictive to me for some reason. Um, I, I enjoy the story. The characters I could take or leave because, speaking of naturalistic dialogue, it, it's just sort of... Uh, yeah, I'm going to... Oh, where 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 are you at, guy? Uh, I need to get my way uh, over to you. Uh, oh, there's some. You don't freakers. have enough bear, merit badges to be boss hog boy. Yeah. You <laughs> it's it's got more stuttering uh, dialogue than like an episode of Rick and Morty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't commit to the stereotypes. You could run around and take crafting material from my motorcycle. Okay, I, I take it back. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, no, that's a good one. Good pick there, Michael. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Chris. What's yours? Let me let me think about what my true game of the year. Oh, uh, well, well, again, I haven't finished it, and I I hate starting it up again. But my uh, first couple hours of the Outer Wilds, yeah, yeah, that was the fucking that was the best game I've ever played. Yeah, I, I guess for me it's like a three way t- or four way tie between uh, Sekiro, Resident Evil Two, Outer Wilds, and uh, Days Gone. 
Yeah. I hate Sekiro and I hate Resident Evil, so... I can't relate to you anymore as a person. (laughs) From our list, those are actually the two games that that I would put up there, uh, neck and neck. So Sekiro and Resident Evil 2. So I'll go for the game that's not on our list that I just want to go to bat for. um, Far Cry New Dawn. Mm -hmm. Other than Resident Evil 2, there hasn't been a game that I just sat down and consumed for hours at a time like that game. Um... The fact that it's $40 doesn't hurt, and sometimes you can find it on sale for 20 Yeah, it's, it's, it's super boring to champion, but, like, every first-person shooter I've played since then, like, why can't I just get started and do stuff? Mm-hmm. Why can't I just, like, fly right now? And, like, that's what Far Cry New Dawn did. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they, they expand on 5, you know, with the... Um, uh, the bases that you have to take over the the enemy. Uh, what what are those called, Michael? Are they f- outposts? Outposts. That yeah. They they have the the leveled outpost system so that mm-hmm. each time you beat it, it gets more difficult, but you get better rewards. Like yep. I think that's just a very simple, but very obvious progression. That I'm like, they need to do this in all the future Far Cry games because mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it's it's like Chris says, it's super streamlined. They don't waste any time in getting you all the cool shit. You get out there. It's a it's a map that you're already sort of familiar with if you've played five, but mm-hmm. the fact that they've, it's now this batshit loco, like post apocalyptic version with the super bloom and all that stuff. Like it's neon water. And, and you know yeah. me, I fucking hate story. I hate <laughs> it. Uh, I do. Uh, and, and this game's just like, yeah, just start playing and unlocking shit. It takes like yeah. five seconds. But it, it, what I was saying earlier, though, it's, it's, it doesn't hesitate to fucking go some places with that story. Like, there's there's not as much of it. It's not as long, as uh, I would say, as Far Cry 5. But there are some fucking moments in there where you're just like, you're sitting there for a minute like, did I really just watch that happen? And I don't want to tell you what those are, but it's really fucking cool. Especially mm-hmm. if you played 5. Uh, you might want to play this one and kind of see how that whole story comes to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. That's all I was saying. You might even find out when some things happen at the end of Far Cry Five. So yeah, uh, I I'll go to bat for New Dawn. I, I think I feel like it it's gotten like kind of a negative rap. Like people out there just uh, hasn't not, though. I, I just think like I feel, there's no reason to put it at your top of your list. It's a lukewarm no reception. I'll it. say that. Like I feel like people, yeah, no one's really championing it. They're just like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. But I, I, I enjoy the hell out of it. You know, for me, I like the Far Cry formula. Uh, I don't necessarily pick up every one of those games as they come out, but uh, this one was worth it and it's super fun. So yeah, I'll go to bat for that. Why not? Far Cry New Dawn. Check it out. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, and the one thing, uh, shit, the, the missions with the helicopter. Oh, yeah, the uh, expeditions. The expeditions are super cool and add a ton of replay value to that game. That's true. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's more arcadey than open world in most, in most points. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah. As you fly off in gross patat. Yeah. <laughs> Big potato, the, yeah. the chopper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, anyway, what is your game of the year so far? Let us know. Go to videogameapocalypse.com and answer in the comments for episode 322. Also, you can hit us up on the official LaserTime community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. Or just ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse. So that's been our show. Let's go with some plugs. Chris, what do you got? Boom. This week's LaserTime is all we called it. Uh, it's a terrible title, Defining Popularity. Mm. But it's uh, about how the box office comes up with its figures, which is based on money, but also a lie. Uh, mm. And our buddy Aaron... Works worked at Nielsen, sure. so we talk a bit about how the Nielsen rate. You ever wonder how this show is number one on television? Like, yeah, now you'll you'll know why. 
it's extrapolated and it's out true. and sampled from a kind of a limited sample set, right? And then they just project uh, that out. 0.03% uh, of the population decides mm. what is the most popular mm-hmm. television show in the country. Mm-hmm. And what the, the revelations we have on that show, you'll see why, again, in Aaron's words, like, yeah, that's... You wonder why Judge Judy and Jerry Springer are so popular because most of the people are watching during the day because the people who will actually do this yep. are very yeah. poor. Well, that that's the thing. that I, I don't think I ever said I was once selected to be a Nielsen viewer. And I didn't get, like, the the fancy box or anything. I got a diary in which I was expected to write down everything that I watched and when I'm like, I'm not fucking doing this. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. You can keep your uh, fucking you, you, by the way, as it turns out, as he reveals, you're supplemental to the real Nielsen family. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like a tertiary, like a C-team thing. It's fucking crazy. We talk a little bit, obviously, about how games... Because games still, like, are ridiculous. Games weren't being tracked in our lifetime. Mm. At all, game sales. And, like, and even to this day, they ship 200 million copies! to stores across the world where they haven't sold a copy yet. Yeah. I mean like, they're they're tracked. You just you don't see those statistics. You don't see publicly. it for like 2 months. Mm. Well, but NPD. even then what you see is not the complete story. If you're a publisher, you you know what your game sold, but you don't really know yes. what everyone else sold. And there's No, oh, that was that was the thing I didn't know cuz Aaron working at Nielsen is like um no one's trusted to self-report. Mm-hmm. So you need an intermediary. Mm-hmm. So every every publisher has their data. Of course they do. Um but like I don't know. Like, you ever see, like, Super Mario Brothers sold this many copies? Like, no one knows. No one knows how much money that game made. Those are sell... Yeah, they're selling, which is where you actually, for physical, which isn't going to be as prevalent anymore, but that sell-in is when you, as a publisher, you sell to, like, the game distributors who are the ones selling the thing sell through right. is when but it actually it was gets also sold a pack at the store. In, like those those numbers do not matter mm-hmm. to to Mario Brothers because they're all a lie. Mm-hmm. It's a giant lie. Yeah. Uh, well, I already plugged earlier the uh, Patreon exclusive 302010 kind of bonus show where they read listener comments and kind of get you, you, the listeners, takes on everything that's happened in pop culture 30, 20, and 10 years ago for that month. Where, yeah, maybe I will make an appearance and talk about the Ghostbusters video game, having worked on that, having some insider knowledge of what it's like to try to chase Bill Murray around New York City and leave like packages <laughs> for him or have him answer a very specific payphone that he only checks a certain time of day because he's notoriously difficult to reach and so yeah some and, crazy and shit this, this week is all about the worst date um, one of us has, has ever been on spoiler it's me <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's horrible uh, uh, we had to hold off posting the episode for weird reasons that we'll explain later um, but yeah you can ignore the Half the conversation is about the worst date I've ever had. Half of it is about Battle for Winterfell, which feels like a thousand years ago. It really does. <laughs> but we but we couldn't post it, and I can't wait to tell you why. It's it, You will never, ever, ever guess why. Mm, maybe you have to become a Patreon subscriber to learn mm-hmm. why. That's called the tease. Uh, so yeah, check out patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, check me out on Twitter. I'm at Maddie C. Allen. Other ways you can help us, uh, you can join the official laser time Facebook community. Just search for uh, laser time uh, on Facebook. We'll pop up there. Um, it's a closed community, but you just apply to join and we'll let you in. You'll be fine. Uh, and then go on, I guess it's called Apple podcasts. Now write reviews of the show. Uh, having current reviews actually does help us give, you know, give us five star ratings and all that stuff. Um, that is, 
is a great way to spread the word about the show and help us kind of surface and get in front of more people. So uh, that's free. Fucking just go do that. You don't even have to write a long review. Just be like, uh, this show rules. There, there's your review. Yeah. Time for the beer-addled figurehead to talk. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or me personally at Wikiparas. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's been our show. We'll see you next week. Oh, Alf, I don't know that Sekiro is all that good. What? <laughs> ah!